Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I've got a uh, wacky and wicked little crew here today to to talk about Wicked Little Critter. Uh, I am your host, Greg Simpson. I've got my parents returning to the show, Ken and Karen Simpson. And then from Boston area, we've got... Tom Dunford back on the show. So yeah, we're talking Wicked Little Critter from Mink Car. Here we go. The pro is here to lead the way, to save the day. Wicked Little Critter! He clips the puck from Bobby Orr. He shoots, he scores. Wicked Little Critter! As he proceeds to torch the place, as he proceeds to scorch the place, as he proceeds to torch the place, scorcher, torture, scorcher. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the tar. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the tar. And he pops a wheelie on his mini bike, and he burns rubber and he peels out. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the tar. And he clips the ball from What's up, Tom? Hey, Greg, it's Wicked Pissa to be here. Yeah. Did I get like, it right? You're How the one you? that would know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So I guess yeah, good. I feel like uh, first I need to explain to the listeners how I assembled this crew because this was a funny little thing. Well, first, Wicked Little Critter, obviously being about you know Boston area, Massachusetts, you know, just kind of the New England accent. You know, it's heavily associated with with Boston. I think when most people hear the song and that it mentions, you know, we'll talk about those sports. Uh, stars from Boston teams, you know, like, oh, it's lovingly mocking the Boston accent. So I'm like, okay, I've only had, I only have had one guest on who's from the Boston area, and that's Tom. So, Hmm. and you hadn't been on since fingertips way, way back, episodes 19.1.2.3, all the way to whatever, how many chunks we split it into. You've been on more episodes episodes than anyone else, Um, technically. so yeah, a whole year ago, yeah. man. But that was a yeah, lot of fun. Changed. So when I was thinking about this song, I got reminded about it because they're playing it on this current tour in the Quiet Storm formation of the Two Johns and Marty. They've like, you know, Wicked Little Critter's been like pulled from the grave because it was not really one that was played a whole lot. 
and it totally surprised people that they were doing it on this on this tour. Um, I mean, people knew they were doing stuff more than Flood because Flood's only thirty eight minutes. But I think people were really surprised to hear Wicked Little Critter in the Quiet Storm formation. So I was like, I need to do that episode. No one signed up for it, and without even asking you, I put your name down. <laughs> so then, yeah. So then, so then I asked you, and you're like, Yeah, okay. Uh, I had no idea what you're talking. Like, oh, I signed you up for Wicked Little Critter. I'm like, is that like a comp record or something? What What am I doing here? I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not know okay. the song? I, you know, I, I have hardly heard of it. Like we were talking about Mink Car earlier. Like I hardly yeah. ever listened to it. And it's funny. It's like, oh, that's my fourth favorite. They might be Giants record. And yeah. I said, yeah. But you know what? I listened to it. I listened to it because I I haven't picked it up in so long. And then I was listening to Wicked Little Critter of like maybe seven or eight times yeah. the past couple of weeks. And it's, I'm trying to like figure out what the hell is this song about? Where are they yeah. going with it? I'm well, like, oh, we'll get like, into that. First yeah. I'm like, this is weird. But then I'm like, yeah, this is really good. And then I checked out the rest of them in car. I listened to it this morning on yeah. my way to work and then my way home. I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm digging this. All right, I see where Greg's coming from. Mean car fourth, rules. Fourth best, all right. I mean, I'll, we, I'll had, that. we had a whole, I mean, it also like, because you got into them a little earlier than me. Um, but for me, that was 2001. I mean, they, Mean Car came out on 9-11. That happened when I was a junior in college. So, so this album came out um, like smack dab in my college years. And... You know, like living in the dorm, blasting music, yeah. like, and this is still firmly the CD era. So, like, you played the CDs that you brought to college with you, and this Mink Car got played endlessly, and it is still so so good. Um, but so I should explain why. Um, well, Greg, why are your parents there? Well, okay, so, <laughs> um, so, so. Uh, then I so I skip. They're, they're here to make sure you don't say anything naughty or uh, oh. do anything wrong. There, fuck that. Lost cause. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lost cause. Yeah, my mom still is like well, every time I burp, she's like, "Greg," I'm like, "It's my house, my house, my rules." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did lecture him about these. I'm a grown things. man. Hey, if you want to take your shirt off for this podcast or something, <laughs> your mom's not going to stop you. Do it. You know. I mean, even yeah, you you have. Um, wait, how many kids do you have? I have three. Yeah, so we three heard kids, you yelling for like, Charlie. Tommy, my little Tom. Yeah. Oh, Tommy. I need his headphones. Yeah. yeah, Tommy, little so, Tommy. So yeah, you got Tommy. Yeah, I got so my son Tom. He's like sixteen now. No. <gasps> um, so he's not little. And then my daughter, she's in college. She's nine. Oh, gonna be nineteen next year, next month. And then I have a another daughter who's gonna be fourteen next month. So yeah. it is just like. Hormone high school. In yeah, house. yeah, holy cow! It's uh, yeah, yeah, it sucks. But you're past like so that age when like little kids are just they're all running around naked with their shirts off and just like whatever, you know, it's summertime no, and just, all the kids you know are just now with shirts like, off. Now it's like, like walking out of the bathroom, I'm like, dude, put a towel on, come on. Yeah, <laughs> you're still yelling at them to put more clothes on, but for different reasons. I wish that were not true. I wish I was <laughs> kidding when I say that. I'm like, dude. Yeah. So. So um, my parents are here uh, helping me while Kara is at a conference doing Smarty Pants stuff. She's actually in Austin, Texas, if we were going to talk about a whole other kind of accent. Oh, um, that's awesome. Look yeah, at her. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, Purdue will fly her everywhere. And But so I, I'm still teaching. I'm not on spring break for another week. And uh, so my parents are coming down, and I had scheduled the podcast with you, and I'm like, wait a second. 
I knew I was forgetting something. My parents are going to be here. But I said, hey, there's a Boston connection because my sister, who was not able to, to make the podcast, she lives in Boston and has lived in Boston for how many years in the Boston area? At least eight. Eight years? Eight years, something like that. So, and so she's got two daughters. And so as the grandparents... My parents go out to Boston quite a bit and uh, interact with the, uh, the Bostonians and um, get confused by the accents. So <laughs> I think the first thing we need to hear is my mom telling the story of... Uh, was, so is this when Heads first moved to... My sister Heather, we oh, call her Heads. Um, uh, Heather and I went to Boston uh, because she wanted to check out Boston University because uh, she was looking at different grad schools. And so, <clears throat> oh, so we, this is way back. Yeah. Because then they ended up in D.C., and then they were back in Boston. So this is... Well, she was in 2005, Boston. 2005, 2006? Um, she went to BU. What year was that? 2007. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. you were visiting in 2007. Yeah. She wanted to check out Boston University, you know, along with some other ones. And um, so we went down to the subway slash what you guys call the T, I guess. Yep. And um, so we're like, well, how do we get tickets for these trains? We had no idea. And so one of the guys who worked there had a uniform on. He came over and he, you know, oh, can I help you? And we said, well, we don't know how to get tickets for this. What, what, what do we have to do? He says, you have to get a Charlie cod. <laughs> and, and, uh, Charlie, Charlie and Heather, who would could normally understand practically anybody, she has a good ear. He had to say it three times. We still didn't know what he was saying. And then he just pointed to the machines, and my daughter and I looking at each other and said, "He said Charlie Card, not Charlie Card. Yeah, Charlie on the MBTA. Charlie, Charlie Card. Okay. Yeah, you know, you, you, the guys that work on the T, they're like." A lot of those guys, it's like nepotism. You have to know somebody. So all people that work on the T, they all grew up around here. Like they, they grew up like in the city. So they right. all have those. A lot of people have those accents. Yeah. 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 Heather and I thought that he was speaking a different language pretty much. You know, Charlie, C-H-A-W-L-Y. Charlie Cod. Charlie Yeah. Cod. Cod. C-O-W. C-O-D. Yeah. Cod. Yeah. C-O-D. Cod. Yeah. Just it's from Charlie Cod. Cod. Yeah. Delicious Cod. I wish somebody could have taken a picture of our confused faces. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, so my parents who grew up in Pittsburgh, and we were talking about this before dinner. I mean, other than like slang, would you say there's a distinctive Pittsburgh? Is there an accent of that side of Pennsylvania? I mean, not, I can pick it up sometimes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I used to. Yuns, Yuns is the, the well, right. The no, but there is there is somewhat of an accent. Well, is it like uh, I knew someone in college? She wasn't from like the Philly area, and she'd say like "pull the door open" instead of "pull the door open." Like, I always pool? thought that was kind of like pool? A yeah, pool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had, yeah. Um, when I, I had relatives in New Jersey, they had like a, the Jersey accent, but it was cl- closer to how she sounded. Sounded kind of like the Jersey accent, but not quite. Yeah. yeah, I know. When I, I, I don't know about Pittsburgh. Yeah, when I was little, a lot of uh, women, well, whoever was operating the washing machine, they would say washing machine. Oh, well, that's that's a whole. I mean, that might have to do more with like Appalachia 
stuff. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's more into that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, like what? so then so then they moved to Chicago, uh, and then I was born in the Chicago area, and like, but we were in the suburbs. I mean, Dad, you worked downtown, but like. I don't know if people in your office were talking like the super fans on SNL or anything like that because they were all in. I had more people from other countries. Other countries, than I, than yeah. I had from local Chicago. Yeah, well, I worked at the uh, Walgreens headquarters. They were like, "Do you guys have Walgreens out there? Or just CVS?" No, we have Walgreens. We have Walgreens yeah, too. Okay. Yeah, they bought Osco, so now there's a lot of Walgreens. Uh, oh, okay. So um, I worked at their offices, which wasn't far from our house, and. Um, I was talking to this woman one day, and she goes, you have an accent. Are you from Pittsburgh? Really? I, I'm like, are you kidding me? She wow. actually, I don't know what I said that, you know, caught her ear, so to speak, as to why she said that. But I was like, I didn't think we had an accent. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because I think it's not so much more, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, you've got parts of the country, but then it also has to do with with urban or rural and like just kind of. Right. I mean, yeah, it's it's like, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many factors at play because like, yeah. So growing up in the the Chicago suburbs, you know, like, uh, I ne- I was like, oh, I don't have an accent. I'm just. You know, I think everyone thinks that though. Oh, my voice is normal. This is the normal way to talk. Yeah. Or whatever. But then we moved to then Cara and I. You know, end up we get engaged. We move down to Bloomington, Indiana, and Bloomington is a fairly kind of, it's like the liberal oasis of Indiana. It's like the one county, one of two that go blue in the elections. You know, it's a very kind of international. You know, uh, Indiana University's there, um, and so people didn't really notice there. But I was working outside of town in a in a in a smaller town, and people were pointing out my accent. I'm like. I don't have an accent. You guys do. What are you talking about? And I think that's pretty standard, right? But they would say um, they would say Warsh. And again, I think people in Southern Indiana think that it's, that it's like Dixie or something. I'm like, you're aware that this is, it was a Union state, right? Flying Confederate flags and bullshit like that. But um, the one thing that confused me the most. So as a teacher, you're constantly telling kids to sit down. But they would say set down, and I'm like, what are we setting down now? Oh, sit sitting your ass on the chair. Yeah, set your ass on that chair. No, they were saying sit down, but it sounded like set down. And that was just one of the things. And also, uh, ten instead of ten. Like there was a show called Ben Ten that came out, and I remember some kids talking about it, they're like Ben Ten. I'm like, what? Aren't those things supposed to rhyme? Those are supposed to rhyme. Ben and, and then, ten. You know, and they're my like, it rhymes perfectly. What are oh, you talking yeah, about? Ben and ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I worked at uh, Walgreens, a lot of the people who worked there grew up in the area, and some of them in right in the city of Chicago, and a lot of them had a very nasal quality to like the Fran way they Drescher? spoke. Yeah, <laughs> no, not Wait, that where bad. That where was <laughs> that show supposed to take place? I think she was kind of New Jersey, wasn't New she? New Jersey, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the, yeah. uh, the nasal part, See, uh, that just really, I'm, I'm like, why are you talking like that? Oh, so my mother grew up in New Jersey, so my grandmother lived there. And we would go down there. And I remember, like, sitting, like, the neighbor sitting outside his house, and his older sister was there. And she was, like, saying, say car. And I was like, car. And she's like, so, and she kept, kept trying to get me to say, like, with a Boston accent. But right. I didn't have a Boston accent. So it's like, you're not from Boston. Like, well, you're not from Massachusetts. Like, what are you talking about? Of course I am. Like, but she, but I, like, my father had an accent, but my, my mother did not. And I think it must have just been, 
I don't know. Maybe my father just wasn't around for most, right. of, most See, of the time. The thing so is, that, like, like when you were yelling to your son, we're like, he does have an accent. See, you like we all have. I mean, obviously, I, I think it's nearly impossible for anyone to. I mean, how do you not have an accent? What does that even sound like? You know, right? Yeah. I mean, people say like the newscasters, like when you're getting a, like a news anchor job, you're supposed to have like the most. No, quote unquote right. normal English, like no accent whatsoever. But other than that, like any people who grow up in a society, you're talking to people. Your your speech gets influenced by other people. Oh yeah, you. and but not just like, your speech, like your definitions of things too. Yeah, like yeah, I think yeah. we, we oh, we'll talk about we were, all that slang. Yeah, I remember we were last talking um, almost a year ago, and he says something about pop. I'm like pop. Like who who says pop? Where are oh, you pop, from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Now, do you call it tonic? That's where we're reading the slang. They said in Boston. So I don't call it tonic, but my father always called it tonic. And my in-laws, who are from uh, South Boston, they'll call it tonic. Even to this day, I'll be over their house, they'll, like, rest up the can, like, ah, is this your tonic? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Well, <laughs> what do they call it's tonic soda. water? You oh, know, you the call put- it soda. Yeah. Soda, yeah. Tonic water. I don't even know what that is. Like, I guess that would be seltzer. Yeah, this whole we're just getting into this is just an accents podcast. This is not about anything about music. Um, yeah, let's yeah, let's talk about the song a little bit. We'll definitely get into the accent when we're talking about the lyrics. And I mean, the whole conceit of the song is, you know, a loving tribute to, you know, where the Johns grew up. Uh, in oh, Lincoln. yeah. Yeah, in Lincoln. So, um, yeah, so Wicked Little Critter on Minkar, one of the best They Might Be Giants albums. I'm just going to say that as fact from here on out. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this song is a a strong example of just like they were coming off of, uh, you know, John, I mean, John Henry and Factory Charm. I mean, uh, Long Tall Weekend was in there too, but as far as like physical released albums, uh, this one came right after Factory Showroom, which has amazing songs, but is like kind of slick rock record. Like it had some outliers, kind of like, you know, I Can Hear You or um, Your Own Worst Enemy. But for the most part, when Mink Car came out, I'm like, there's like a dance club song. There's these like Latin fusion songs. There's uh, Wicked Little Critter is like mixing some sort of like 70s funk and 80s like early hip-hop stuff like all these weird genre experiments and so like this is one of my like touchstones this and like i've got a fang and man it's so loud in here those are the kind of songs that make me love uh mink car because then even a couple years after that on the spine they're like let's just do rock songs so i'm like where's the wicked little critter on the spine you know like i was looking for weird songs like this and so um, on, yeah, so on the uh, Team BG Unlimited from that era, that was like their IFC, basically what they called it at the time, their fan club. Uh, the, the quote is, forged in the crucible of an Eastern Massachusetts junior high. This song expresses the dreams, fears, and hopes of a New England young adult. Remixed by the elegant two, the track celebrates the enchanting old school sound of the mid 1980s inner city, even as it invokes the older school of early 1970s suburban Boston. Just like a loving tribute to like, you know, guys they knew talking with that slang like that. But also I think the music is a tribute to stuff, you know, coming up in the seventies and, and, 
you know, early 80s when they were, you know, becoming adults, I mean, in their, you know, high school and early college years or whatever, um, you know, hip hop being born, basically, like coming out of funk music and turning into hip hop and being sampled and all this stuff, because there's just all these weird sounds, there's record scratching sounds, there's big beats, lots of, you know, drum machine and just like tons of stuff happens in this song. And it's only two minutes and 11 seconds. So, like, it's just a cool song in that it's a tribute to both the manner of speaking and, like, the style of music that was um, around them at the time. So what did you think, Tom, when, because uh, I was like, hey, you're doing this song, and you're like, I don't really know that song. And I'm like, shut up, you're doing it. What? Uh, and then you're like, well, I better go listen to it. Uh, what did you, uh, what, were your, what were your initial thoughts then? Because we we're, were talking a little bit before we hit record, but... Uh, what was it? Was it really the first time you'd heard it when I told you you're doing the episode? You know, I probably heard it before and yeah. just kind of like one of those things in the background, like whatever, not really listen to it. Because um, like I said, I was never, never, Meat Car never really caught caught me, yeah. uh, caught my attention. Um, that has since changed, but um, I, I never really listened to the record that much. And so it was, um, when I heard it, I'm like, this is, I was surprised when I heard that he's a wicked little critter. Yeah. And um, the, the, the accent, I thought their accent was spot on. Yeah. And like I said, um, it just caught me like the, the first time I heard it, like this song is strange. And the second time I heard it, like this song is still strange, but that when they go into the, like the, the keyboards and everything, he's a wicked little critter. I'm like, that's, that's like a, such a catchy earworm. Like, oh, yeah. and, uh, after listening to it, I swear like nine or 10 times, um, it feels like, um, the the seventies or eighties when I grew up, like all that slang that they use, like yeah. he's a dink and like ditching and the sissy bar. Exactly. Sissy That's why bar. I demanded like, that like, you be on this. Exactly. This, this sounds like when I was growing up. This is how people talked. I grew. I was like raised by wolves. So when I went out like <laughs> five years old, like to the neighborhood kids, like I had no idea of any of this slang or anything. People are like doing like the Papa Wheelies and the burning rubber. So I don't even know what this means. So (laughs) it was funny though to hear that. Yeah. So like, I mean, most of this stuff, anyone could really deduce. Like there were a couple things that we were trying to look up, like, um, well, skipping to the end of the song, he says, he's a dink. Did you ever call people a dink? Oh yeah. That was, uh, yeah. So what was your definition of that? What would you say Um, that means to call someone a dink? That would have been a penis, a dick. Okay. But that was a dink. Yeah. We okay. were called, oh. yeah. Because we were asking, so my brother-in-law, um, Mike, he, I mean, he grew up in, I mean, it was New a York. suburb. Well, he was in New York. For okay. Long so time, New York. They, yeah. But he yeah. was eight, I think, when they moved to Massachusetts. Yeah. From wh- what we could gauge from him and, and my dad Googling stuff was just like, Oh, like the shithead. He's an idiot. Dipshit. But like, yeah, dipshit, right? That was the one you came across. Dipshit, but for you, yeah. it'd be more like you're a dick. Like, would it mean like someone's mean or someone's stupid? Because like calling someone a dick means like you're an asshole, essentially. Yeah, we would call someone, like, if someone's a dick, it's you're an asshole. But a dink, we would talk, you know, kids would talk about, oh, the boy's dink and stuff. Yeah, that was like, and that okay. was like the, you would say, oh, he's a dink. Yeah. And that would be related to your oh, so genitalia. Like the body okay. part. Wow. Okay. Oh. Wow. So yeah. I thought it was just like calling someone an idiot or something, but, um, yeah. And now again, this is me representing sure. only what I know. So sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. So like, yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, let's just go through the lyrics. I mean, we can talk about the musical stuff along the way. Like I said, there's so much that happens. Um, like in the beginning of the song, the just that little persistent little drum machine tones that catches it, it catches it, it gets caught in your ear. It's a total yeah. earworm. The whole song. The, the pro is yet to lead the way to save the day. So the whole way and day. I mean, so you feel like you didn't. That you didn't talk like that when you were a kid, but you knew kids that talk like that, or yeah, I knew kids. Like everyone was um, the sissy bar and the ditching, like that whole thing where oh, we're gonna ditch him and or ditch your bike. Like that right. was uh, sure. that was definitely definitely something that people said. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Like, uh, but so like score, bikes, Bobby I mean, was the sissy bar thing just like because that was kind of like. Because you'd see that on motorcycles, but they'd have that on like those big banana seat bicycles too back in the day, right? The big bar yeah. See, on the I back. I think I always thought the sissy bar was, um, and it was like the lack of a bar, like the with the girls' bike. But I, this, I, this is, is just me. Like, I, I always thought, yes. I always thought it was like the bike, the sissy bar that didn't have the bar. Yeah, so like, like the, it's the a lack girl, of a bar was a sissy bar. Yeah, or like the curved bar on a girl's bike. It curves yeah, down like yeah. that's the sissy bar. This is what we were saying. This I was saying that last night. Sissy bar is like, oh, you're riding a girl's bike or whatever. Um, he like this wicked little critter. Like he's he, he's popping a wheelie, but he's got a girl's bike. You know, he's uh, with the sissy bar. Um, but then my dad looks it up and like, no, it's the it was like for a back sister rest, a back rest sister the, bar. Yeah, for like a motorcycle where. You know, you got your woman on the back, and she's got there's the the sister bar, the sissy bar, that she can lean back on, that the passenger can lean back on. So again, these are two yeah. conflicting things, and I knew I had heard what 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 you said just now about it being a girl's bike, because yeah, like calling someone a sissy. I mean, that was a very common you know insult or you know hey, you throw like a girl, like all that stuff. That is yeah, very weird to even think about today, but like the sissy bar, so. For and dude, people to be, see this guy's bike and be like, oh, he's got a girl's bike. I'm just going to tell you an embarrassing story where the sissy sure. bar was applied to me because, like I said, raised by wolves, going out like five or six years old on my sister's bike thinking I'm a real badass. And all the kids are like, you got the sissy bar. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. I didn't know. I'm thinking, oh, it's got the it's the Schwinn bike. Yep. It's a bike. What's the difference? Yeah. Oh, you're going to ride that in your dress, Tom? You can ride that in your dress with the sissy bar. What's the sissy bike bar. pink? Yeah. But but did you, did you lay a patch on the tar then? Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was lucky if I could do like a I could do like a skid and that was it. I was sure. I was not coordinated enough to do jumps or laying uh, burning right. rubber or anything. Right. Like that. But then it starts talking about like his mini bike. I'm assuming we're talking about. I mean, oh, mini, little mini dirt bikes. Right, Those like are a big around dirt here. Bike. Right. Yeah. So the little dirt have, bike. Did I have a were, dirt bike? No. <laughs> yeah. Were, the, were those were those popular in the Chicago area? Because in New I mean, England, those we are pretty in the popular. Suburbs. I was a skateboarder. I mean, I don't remember seeing anyone around on dirt bikes. No. I mean, in the suburbs, I don't think so. I don't know. Oh That's, yeah, we uh, had a lot of people in my neighborhood who were, had dirt bikes. They had like these crazy like. The th- the ATVs, the dirt bikes. Yeah, I live behind like I live behind like that's crazy. You ta- oh, yeah, motor- no, it was big in my town. Oh, yeah, yeah, motorized. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny. Like I I work in you know I teach in a rural area and I've taught in several rural areas. People love their mopeds and whatevers, mostly because I think in the state you can still drive those after you get your license taken away with the D- DUI. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, you'll see people on those and like. There's people like down the block from my school 
that I heard that they like won the lottery and probably not like a big win in the lottery, but they bought the lot next to them and turned it into like a dirt bike track. And this is like in the middle of a neighborhood, you'll see these kids just tearing around on these mini, I don't know if you call it a mini bike, but like a kid's teenager sized dirt bike or like a, you know, and they're just tearing ass around the yard. Just like there's no grass in the yard. They've built these jumps of dirt and stuff. And this is like right by the school. But when I was growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, I mean, I think there might've been some people that had like, go-karts maybe you'd see people go-karts but that would only be if they lived on like a cul-de-sac or something you wouldn't see someone going down our street on a dirt bike or any sort of mm-hmm. non like street legal vehicle uh, right. vehicle it would um, just be a regular bike yeah a regular bike or a, a legit motorcycle or car yeah my neighbor um Kind of a white trash neighbor. He uh, he he oh, rides up. Oh, that's bad. Hopefully he doesn't listen. <laughs> oh, he no. He he doesn't even know who they might ch- be. Giants are. Um, he rides up and down the street sometimes on a dirt bike, and he's like fifty years old. So it's oh, yeah. it's a it's a New England thing. So uh, yeah, so it's more of a culture thing than any sort of. Uh, yeah, so it's part of the culture is that you guys like your uh, motorized bikes. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Maybe it's because like. <laughs> In New England, when I was younger, at least, it was like lots of uh, rural areas you can drive around. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they might be giants. They definitely um, they were cluing into that. You guys, I think last time I talked to you, I think you were talking about your son wanting to watch the hockey game. Is that right? Oh like yeah, you were, yeah. He was upstairs watching hockey or something. I think. Well, what happened? Did someone start yelling at some point in the background? I'm like, what's going on? Oh, that would have been him. Yeah, he was watching hockey upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) He he still does that. So, (laughs) so um, what? Yeah. So my my dad was looking up um, Bobby Orr and uh, you know and Havlicek and just like various because I mean again they grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up in Chicago. I really only pay attention to the White Sox and still only pay attention to the White Sox. So, like, I know these guys by name. I know they were stars, but, like, my dad was looking up stats and all this. Um, but uh, what, are your thoughts on Bo- what are your thoughts on Bobby Orr? I have no thoughts. No I am thoughts. so, so not a sports guy. Like, I, I, the, I'm an anomaly yeah. in this town. Like, everybody knows sports, sports, sports. I know nothing about sports. I know okay, Bobby yeah. Orr Yeah, is. we did talk about this, right? Yeah, because your Who? son is super into hockey. But you were yeah. never into hockey? No, I was never into anything. I was too busy uh, sitting around. <laughs> listening to sit around listening let's, to the smiths or whatever yeah pretty much yeah. and like who who is bill Havacek? is he is he well, uh he, he's basketball. not a hockey player is he no he's basketball. celtics yeah right um well yeah let's let's start with with bobby Orr here um dad yeah. what did you find out about about uh bob right, bob, so, yeah. bob not bobby Orr, bobby Orr. well i mean just again i'm not a sports guy either but just the name, I'm like, why well, he played with the Blackhawks, I thought. Well, he did, but he played 10 seasons with the Bruins and then two seasons with the Blackhawks. Okay. So, yeah, his prime years were Yeah. And Boston. so he the, the Bruins had not won the Stanley Cup since 1941. He started with them in 66, and then they won it in 70 and 72 and made it to the finals in one other year and didn't win. But um, Did he finish so, in uh, Boston, or did he finish in... He finished in Chicago. He played his last two Chicago? in Chicago, okay. yeah. So, See, I didn't know that. I would have thought he did finish in Boston the way that pe- people uh, talk about him. Well, I mean, I think that's the way that goes. Like, for me, 
My touchstone is Frank Thomas. I was obsessed with Frank Thomas. He's the whole reason I became a White Sox fan when I first became interested in really anything other than drawing or skateboarding. Like, uh, it's like, oh, hey, this guy, he's got legs like tree trunks and he can, you know, like everything about him. Like, he was not known for his fielding. You know, he was fine at fielding, but like, he had the eye of like, you know, guys with really high averages, but he could also, uh, batting averages, but he could also crush the ball when he wanted to. So, like, he was just, like, my idol. And he's, you know, he's a White Sox player. Yes, yep. he played two seasons for the Blue Jays or whatever. Right? Two seasons? I don't know. He ended up, like, after he, you know, he went to DH. And, he, you know, those guys, they keep getting injured and all that. But they keep playing. So, he didn't finish in Chicago. But he's a White Sox player. I mean, it's, like, same kind of deal, you know. Where they get famous, where they win their titles, you know, that's where they're known for. Not, like, where they go and go to the old folks' home and, uh, you know, ride out their last couple seasons. Yeah, like, yeah. if you go to the garden here, there's, like, a big Bobby Orr statue. Um, like, I guess this big thing was, like, he did a big leap or something to stop a goal, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's what he did, but that's, like, him leaping the statue. Oh, um, like It's, like, him leaping, so that's Puck a big... hits him in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah there's <laughs> a picture here. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at... I just Googled him. Yeah, this famous picture flying through the air. Yeah, he's blocking... Um, yeah, I guess preventing a goal there. I don't yeah. know, trying to prevent yeah. a goal flying through the air. Or no, or was he scoring a goal? What was going on here? We're going to have someone write in. I don't know. In. I have no idea. We're going to have someone write in, like, correcting us on this. Yeah. Let's uh, get that iPad, uh, Dad, and Google that. What's what's the famous jumping yeah, you get Bobby the facts or, right. Um What's that? Yeah, you want to get the facts right. You don't yeah. want to piss anyone off. Bobby Orr actually was right. yeah. defense yeah. menu. Yeah. He's he, saved goals. I don't know what he did. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently he was really fast, um, but he was a, he was a defenseman. So I guess even though he wasn't the goalie, he would, sounds like he would throw himself all over the place and he'd get a lot of assists. Yeah. You know, he'd, you know, though, even though he was on defense, he was, you know, really made an impact. I guess it's probably harder to become famous as a being on defense. Um, I mean, the goalies obviously get attention, but like usually you're either scoring or you're saving people from scoring. Those are like the two most important things. Yeah, the obviously. defense never gets any credit unless yeah. you, they don't do well. I mean, even when they do well, they don't get any credit. So, yeah, I know that much about hockey from watching my son play for years and years. But yeah, defense, unsung heroes. Yeah. So for him to really make a name like that, and yeah, that picture of him, you know. Well, I guess here's a quote from Wayne Gretzky, the great one. Oh. At, at age nine, he watched in awe as Bobby Orr scored in overtime to win the Cup in 1970 for the Boston Bruins or beat St. Louis Blue goaltender Glenn Hall leaping through the air to celebrate what has become the most iconic goal in NHL history. So, so I guess the leap was celebrating. Celebrating, goal. okay. So that wasn't during the play. Yeah, okay, so... So he was scoring a goal. So I don't know anything about hockey at all. The defensemen are allowed to cross and, and go onto the offensive side. It's oh, not, yeah. It's not like, okay. Well, isn't that yeah. like, isn't it in soccer? Don't you have to basically stay on your side of the field? Is that well, not I think right? you, can, you, you can't. <laughs> if, if, it, it's, if the puck, I know for hockey, if it hasn't crossed over to the other line, other side, like the midway line, you have to stay on that side. Otherwise, you can be. It, it would it wouldn't prevent someone from like hanging by the goal on the other side. Right. So that's offsides. Right. I don't know how right. it works in soccer, 
my daughter plays soccer whenever they're offsides like ah oh, offsides i guess i don't know what <laughs> Get so on it the took me a year it took me like three or four years watching my son play offsides like oh now i get it yeah if they get the butt they they can't go before the puck that's yeah. how it works okay but yeah defensemen so, can go deep, up and defense, like try to score a goal yeah Okay. Um, if if they have it, they can. But then the offense has to come back. Uh, they call it back checking. So the offense has to come back and kind of play the the defense. I see. Okay. So, but normally they don't. Usually they like the defenseman will hang by the 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 midway line, whatever yeah. that's called, and they'll <laughs> go they'll, they'll go over it because if they don't go over it and the puck comes over the line, everyone who's over who's on the other side by the the goal has to run back. And come to okay. the other line before they can make a play. Yeah, this, it's confusing you know, as hell. At least yeah, it was for me. I, seriously, yeah. I mean, so I, like I said, I've only paid attention to baseball. They don't mention any Red Sox guys in this in this song. Um, but like you know, obviously everyone like like you like you'll go to some party or something, you know, like a Super Bowl party or whatever, and I'll be like, I don't know what's going on, but at least like. I can get the the gist of it, but like hockey, I think with how fast it moves, I can't make hide or hair of like why people are zigzagging and smacking yeah, the puck all over the place, and it's just so fast. And I think that's why, like, I can't make sense of it because by the time something happens and I'm thinking about why it happened, they're already onto the next play. They're already moving. They're on the complete other side of the rink. Like, I have no idea what's well, going on. Well, and listening to the guys call a hockey game, you're like, It's insane. I would <laughs> be like, he hit it to one side of the rink. Now it's on the other side. Now that guy's hitting the other one for some reason. And now, oh, their gloves are off. I don't know why. Now people are pounding on each other. Oh, wait, time to play the game again. Oh, there's a goal. Like, in, in like the span of like 30 seconds. Like, everything. Like, what is going on? Oh, I like hockey. See, I would. I don't. I never watch a, a game through the end on TV. I always fall asleep. But if I, I go to a hockey game, uh, I'll take my son every year for his birthday. I'll try yeah. to get him to the to the garden. And it, it's fun. I mean, it's fast paced. But yeah, exactly. Like baseball. I took him to a baseball game once when he was like, I don't know, like eight. And I swear, we were on the bleachers. I was about to fall asleep. I'm like, I am a bad father. I cannot be falling asleep out here in the middle of the day. Like, it is but then so he boring. fell asleep. <laughs> we, were, we were bored. Like, all, all he wanted to do was, like, eat food because there was, like, nothing to do. You know, it also kind of depends what the game... The thing about baseball is there are so many games. If you go to, you know, really any well-performing team on a Friday or Saturday game or even, like, a Sunday day game or something, like... It's going to be fun just because the crowd is into it. People are, you know, just like if the crowd is into it, if there's a good crowd, it's a good competitive game. Things are happening. But, I mean, just like, I mean, baseball is one of those where it's like, oh, great, the pitchers are both really good. There's going to be no home runs. Let's just sit here and watch them just strike each other out. And, and if you're lucky, it's going to be like 15 innings. Right. <laughs> right. But, like, I've been to some of the Cubs versus White Sox games. And as a White Sox fan, you have to hate the Cubs. It's kind of how it goes. And I always have and always will. And going with, like, friends who are Cubs fans. Like, I wouldn't refuse to make friends with Cubs fans. It was just more fun to, like, you could shit talk your own friends. But, like, going to those games, it was insane. I remember going to one that was in the mid-'90s. It was on 4th of July or 4th of July weekend. So it was just, like, 
perfect storm for like just this Chicago insanity. And the White Sox won the game in fairly dramatic fashion. And it was just like the greatest moment of my young baseball <laughs> fan's life. Because there are Cubs fans like in the same row as me. And just like, in your face. Like it was just like the greatest thing ever. And but then you go to games where it's like, it's like, oh, we got summer tickets. Oh, it's a Tuesday day game. And it's against some crappy team, and very little happened. Like, hockey is like, I think no matter how bad the teams are, they're still hitting each other in the face and, like, smacking puck all over the place. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fights, and it's going to be the, the, the puck's going to be moving all over the place. So, yeah, yeah you're going to have something something good yeah. will come of it. So, but as far as the the song goes, so I guess, you know, you know something about hockey, but you didn't you didn't play hockey, you didn't grow up watching the Bruins? No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, there wasn't big when I was younger. I don't think, um, could have been, uh, but sports, I was never a sports kind of person at all. So yeah. Yeah. People even now, like my wife used to complain when I was younger, like in business, she's like, Oh, how are you going to talk to people? If you don't talk about sports, you need to get into <laughs> sports. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I am who I am. So <laughs> I am who I am. Uh, g- 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 um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Havelcheck. Yeah, <laughs> I am who I am. So Havelcheck. So John Havelcheck. So um, before my dad reads us the, the the stats here, what uh, do you know anything about Havelcheck? Other than Nothing. he's used and abused. <laughs> yeah, that's all I know from this song. Is he? Is he? Is he a basketball player? Or yeah, a, so Celtics. Uh, player? Yeah. Um, yeah, he only played with the Celtics. Uh-huh. Sixty-two, seventy-eight. Okay. So that was was that during their huge dynasty? Because I know they were like unbeatable there for yeah. a while, right? Uh, yeah, I, I know more I, about basketball than I know about hockey, but that really yeah, isn't that, saying a whole lot. I didn't get it. Just um, the thing he was most immortalized for in the seventh game of the Eastern Conference Championships. He had some amazing steal where they were throwing the ball in from out of bounds, and he was like facing the other way. And as the ball got thrown in, they said amazing, somehow kind of amazing reflexes where he spun around and caught the ball, stole the ball away from the other team, and allowed the Celtics to win the game, seven yeah. game or something. So that was his big immortal. Did he play with Larry Bird and Danny Age and all them? Was that that well, let's see. Time? He retired in 78. That was before Larry Bird, yeah, wasn't it? I think Larry so. Bird, yeah, because Larry Bird was still playing when I was like – like in, he was still playing when Jordan was playing. So let's see. He um, – Yeah, see. I remember like, like 80, he started 81, the 82, year. Celtics were – were pretty popular around here. His, Even his, I knew that. His rookie year was the year after Havelcheck retired. So okay. as a player, so he started on the Celtics in 79. Havelcheck had uh, retired in 78. So there was, they almost overlapped. Uh, not quite, though. But, yeah, so getting so. like getting to the, like, the They Might Be Giants piece, this must have been like their coming of age because they probably came yeah. up in the 70s. So they yeah. definitely were. I wonder if they were sports fans. They don't seem like they, they don't would come be off as sports fans. But I think here they're like playing to like, you know, the salt of the earth, working class, these people that they grew up with. And I mean, maybe, I mean, they talk about this guy being like wicked little critter. Like it's almost like a rejoiceful kind of cheer. But then they're like making fun of him the whole time. He's got a sissy bar. He uh, he's a dink, you know. And they're like, so uh, this could be like but a guy that like, beat them up. 
but he's like, I've got problems. So is his problem the fact right. that he realizes that he's not part of this world, so the- <laughs> which I can totally relate to. Like, Maybe. I got problems. I yeah. can't relate to your sports ways because... I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's the whole thing about the narrators and they might be giant songs. You you can never assume that because John Linnell is singing the song that it's from his point of view because it almost never is. <laughs> On the fact I that know. he's saying, the guy's a dink, but I like him. Yeah. I got problems. So, you know, the fact that he likes somebody that's a dick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. So then that was like saying, like, I think... Well, I think it's inspired maybe by, you know, some of the more jock-type kids who wouldn't shut up about Havlicek's play last night or whatever, and they're like, I'm just over here, like, doodling, you know. And, yeah, and, I knew a guy I knew a guy when I was younger, um, not, well, younger, when I'm like, like, like 25 or something, and he was not a sports guy, and his whole thing, we would be at work, and he would be, like, standing, I worked in finance at the time, which was, like, real like type a people he'd be he'd be at this, the, the bloomberg machine like looking things up he'd turn the guy next to go you see the game last night and he knew nothing about sports yeah. and he'd be like yeah whatever he'd be like i don't even know what game they're talking about yeah so that just kind of reminds me of, of the narrator like yeah 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 that happened to me when i moved to indiana too because indiana has um no professional baseball team so like when i'm here in lafayette and people are saying they're cubs fan i'm like no, you don't have you don't have a team. Sorry, I don't. Like, how did you pick the Cubs? Oh, they won the World Series more recently. I don't know. Like, what? How did you pick the Cubs? And like, you're a Sox fan. I'm like, why are you a Cubs fan? You don't even have a baseball team. They have the Colts. It's pretty much all about the Colts. And then when the Pacers, when the Pacers are good, but it's like total football. Like, even though you know we're known for basketball, like like the movie Hoosiers and all that. Like, when the Pacers are good, it's all about basketball. And in IU. In Bloomington at Indian University, it's all about basketball. But for the most part, it's a cult state, especially when Peyton Manning was, you know, when they were doing super good yeah. there. And I had all these students named Peyton, boys and girls, um, because of him. And people would be like, yeah, if I first moved down here. I'm like, I just moved to the state. I don't, I didn't follow the Bears, let alone the Colts. Oh, did you see the game last night? Wait, what? The Colts oh, yeah, game. People, oh, now yeah, I, I didn't. <laughs> people people talk to me about sports sometimes like people like you know when you're when you're standing in a hockey game or something for your kids and they'll be talking about sports like oh yeah yeah and whatever they say i just agree with i don't even know just agree with it yeah. yeah oh yeah they did horrible last night oh no they did uh, great last night dude, dude, I, listen indie, I listen to indie rock and punk rock and they might be giants i don't know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> can we talk about the big album that came out yeah. last week yeah. right can we talk about what you're listening to yeah can exactly we, like can we, can we talk about the upcoming they might be giants album what do you think it's going to be like? Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. next time someone brings up sports at your job, like whenever their next album comes out, which should be sometime this year, it seems like, um, when they say, oh, did you see the game last night? Uh, no, did you hear the new They Might Be Giants album? And, and <laughs> oh, see, I work in health. look at each other confusedly and then walk away. So I work in healthcare now, so that doesn't okay. happen. There's no, there's no sports talk where I work now, which oh, okay. I, I finally found a place. But for years, yeah, I was like... <laughs> Working with these people, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, sure, yeah. I'll just agree with whatever the hell you're saying. <laughs> yeah, did, did this happen to you when you moved to Chicago? Like, because, I mean, you grew up, did, I mean, did, did um, I mean, your grandpa watch, like, the Steelers? I mean, he watched the football games, right? You know, not when I was growing up. No? Well, he he was working, he worked night turns and slept all day. So it was like, uh, we weren't sitting around watching sports. Yeah. And so, yeah, there wasn't a lot of, I didn't grow up with it. I think that's kind of it. You kind of have to grow up with a family that's really into it, that... 
So then when you moved, when you guys moved to Chicago, I mean, you're working downtown where people are asking you that if you saw the, the various games, I mean, there's so many Chicago you know, sports teams come up. I mean, only, but I think a lot of Chicago fans are very fair weather fans too. And it's when mm-hmm. the teams are doing well, then everybody's into it. Yeah. You know, that's everywhere. I mean, yeah, but that's the thing about like a town with two baseball teams the people that gravitate, you know, the real Fairweather fans are the ones that just kind of go to whichever baseball team is doing well. I am with the Sox through thick and thin. And, yes, I mean, we won our World Series in 2005. And, sure, we rubbed it in the Cubs fans' faces. But, like, the Sox have always been, like, the underdog team. They've always been the less popular team. And that's why I liked them. And it kind of went along with my whole punk rock mindset. Like, sure, it's professional sports. But, like, they're the guys that are wearing black and gray and they're the guys that everyone, everyone's a Cubs fan around here except me, and that's punk rock, baby. They were the punk rock of the two baseball teams. It's funny how, it's like, like how if I was in New York, I'd probably like the Mets. Yeah, it's like you're punk rock, so you, everything you identify with has to be like the underdog and like, yeah, you know, punk. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at first it was just because it was like, let's see, I could like Frank Thomas, this huge guy who is the, one of the greatest hitters and ended up yet being one of the greatest hitters of all time, or like this little rimpy, wimpy Ryan Sandberg or Mark Grace. I'm like, who are these little dweebs? Give me Frank Thomas. Like, dinks. That was, yeah, these little dinks. Yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can piss right off. Um, yeah. But you like them. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they were good players. I'm not going to deny that. But as far as like fourth or fifth grade me, you know, I was like, uh, which one's cooler to watch? Oh, this guy who looks like a superhero. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. Frank Thomas is insane. So um, tell us about, did people say, and, and we're debating whether torch the place and scorch the place. My dad was thinking they were negative things. I'm saying they're good things. Like he torched the place, like he lit it up. Do you have any insight on torch so, uh, and scorch, torture, scorcher? I've never heard anyone say that, but like, I would think like, from my point of view, like he torched the place, like he's on fire. Yeah. That's right. a good thing. Yeah. 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 He was like, so on fire. Like the place burned down. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. awesome. He Literally. Was. You don't want him to torch the place. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. He's on fire. He's, you know, he lit, the, you know, he lit it up. Yeah, he torched the place. Yeah. He scorched so, the place. <laughs> so yeah, the whole song, like if you try to think of it as a narrative, it doesn't make any sense. Because absolutely I mean, nothing. Yeah, I, couldn't, like, I couldn't figure it. Right? Is Who the wicked, is the wicked little critter? Is he like, a professional? What the hell is, that? is he a professional hockey player? Because he's clipping the puck from Bobby Orr. <laughs> but he also rides a girl's bike. The but I was thinking, like, random you know, slang. It goes into maybe even the fact, and I'm I'm stretching here, but like, and where I live, like, sports are so huge, especially even like at the young age. Like, people worship these kids, like the on the hockey kids. Like yeah. if they're really good, they they fucking worship them. So maybe it's like that whole, like he's a wicked little critter talking about someone he knows in the his school. Like I like him, you know. Even though he may be a, an asshole to you, he's still gonna look up to him. I don't yeah. know. And, maybe and that's like, like I got problems because I have low self esteem. So I'm gonna yeah. worship this guy who treats me like like dirt. <laughs> Which is you know that's that's a t- that's a story that's uh, time well told. I oh, mean yeah. people people have been doing that for years. P- you, yeah, the guy's an asshole to you, but you still think, oh, he's great. I don't know. Yeah, right. Because he can play the sports. Right, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that's what the song is about. I don't know. So the the uh, the Hevel check is used and abused. Now, a lot of this we're saying it's just like Linnell's hamming up the vowel sounds that are really stressed hard and, uh, 
you know, people parroting or lovingly mocking Boston stuff. Like, I mean, it's a very well-worn territory at this point in like comedies and stuff, especially with like the Wahlbergs, you know, with Mark Wahlberg coming up and like Ben and Casey Affleck. Like recently that's like, that's a thing. I mean, even like what was, um, why am I blanking on the movie? Ben Affleck and, uh, and Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Good Good Will Hunting. Right. So that was, what was that? The early aughts. Yeah, like ninety nine, uh, yeah. I think, or two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe the maybe Linnell was trying to capitalize on the whole. Hey, people know what people in Boston sound like now. I don't know, like in popular culture, but yeah, it's, it's pretty well worn territory for comedy at this point. But at the time, I remember first hearing it and not even really knowing for sure um, why he was talking like that. It wasn't obviously apparent to me, but. I didn't grow up around there. And it's like, oh, the Johns do silly voices. You know, it's a silly voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I would say if you, like 20 years ago, like that Goodwill Hunting probably was, it was similar to what Southie was like. But if you go there now, and I don't know, if your parents, if they can say, you've gone, come to Boston too, it's, it, I don't know, I'd like to hear your thoughts because it's not really like that anymore. Um, Boston has kind of turned into a suburb, which is funny to hear this, which is like, a snapshot in time. Like if you go to Boston now, it's like the real estate market has like squeezed all the townies out and they're uh, all kind of, I don't know where they live, but you still get, you still get the people from uh, Dorchester um, like that. But it's, 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 it's much different. Well, yeah. Like how, it, like like how often do you guys come in when you go to Boston? How often do you guys come in contact with people who really talk like this? Not often. Oh, Not the often. Guy um, worked for the tea. Yeah. 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 So, yep, so you think right. like gentrification kind of thing, like real estate prices and stuff, have squeezed all the the working class, like people that tend to have these stronger accents, has kind of pushed them out of the city proper. Or they've retired. That, yeah, that's uh, yeah. yeah. I would say yes. Like from my experience, when I first met my wife, this was like '96. So she grew up in South Boston. First time I ever talked to her on the phone. I never talked to her before. Like, I got her number from um, oh. uh, my roommate yeah. who worked with her. It's a long story. So you had no anyway, idea I got what her voice sounded like. I had no idea her. what her voice sounded like. All I saw was I had, we, I, she worked in Barnes & Noble. She was like the, she worked in the children's department. I worked in shipping and receiving. Um, the bad boy, shipping and receiving. Yeah. And then uh, a couple <laughs> months, a few months later, like, she was at my roommate who had worked at Barnes & Noble. She was at our house. And I said, oh, let me get her number. So the first time I called her up, it's like this Boston accent, this thick, thick Boston accent, which I don't think she has as much anymore, probably living with me. Like, I couldn't believe it when I first heard yeah. it. <laughs> and even now, her parents, they still have it. But when I was walk- when I would go to her house in South Boston, because she, she lived with her parents at the time, it was a completely different world than it is now. Like, if you, yeah. if you go back then, it was... Like every, all the houses were single family. There was a lot of like kids hanging out and teenagers. Now it's just like all young people, and all the houses have been subdivided into like three families. So wow. it's like what used to be like someone saying you know, couldn't even afford to renovate their house is now like these turn into condos, which go for like a million dollars a unit. So in some ways, like that has squeezed out all the townies who talked like. Um, John Linnell, it's John Linnell singing, right? Yeah. John Linnell um, talking like that in Wicked Little Critter. So I don't know where they go. I think I think you still would hear it in Dorchester, and I still see it. I hear it when I meet people who are from Dorchester who uh-huh. live in my town now, but it's not as prevalent as it once was. 
Yeah. I mean, Boston is such like a small area. I mean, for being a major city, you know, people, you know, it's it's smashed into this little, you know, I mean, just the nature of the place that they founded the town. There's not much space. So I think just like... Well, like, it's, such, it's such a college town. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. there's so many students there. I mean, there's so yeah. many young people. So people are coming from all over to go to yeah. school. That, yeah. That's right. And, you know, the students stay and they're from who knows where, from every, every all, all over the place. Yeah. And like our daughter. They, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I don't know, accents to me, you know, people from like, well, your grandfather's, my dad's generation when they didn't grow up watching TV. Yeah. The accent where so much of what you, how you speak and what you say comes from not your family necessarily. It comes from what you see on TV or movies or yeah. you know, now it's online, or in whatever. The schoolyard but, or whatever. I mean, yeah. like, just so what's, I th- yeah. I think, you know, there's a kind of homogenization of, of yeah. the way people talk. Although, yeah. I mean, that's talking about like, Differences in the same area. When I was in Tennessee all the time for work, I mean, you'd get people you wouldn't even know were Southerners, but they lived there. And then other people had such a drawl, and they all live fairly close together. And it's like, well, you know, what's up with that? And, I think also some people, um, I mean, I feel like some people might also kind of, um, and I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is is a, uh, just a shot in the dark here, but like, People identify with a certain culture, and if not that like they're pretending to be Southerners, but if you come from a family or your or a you know a, a group of uh, friends where you identify with Southern culture, even though you're like in a big city or you're not that far south, you might adopt a drawl from the the music you listen to or the movies you watch, like you said. Um, or like just the people Country you hang Western around, music. or like yeah, or like yeah, or just, yeah, the the people you idolize. Where like in Boston, it might be the same thing. Like maybe I don't know. Do you feel like this accent is looked down upon? Are there people who who don't want to sound like this and they're intentionally like avoiding talking like a, a Bostonian? I don't know. I feel like where I live now. Um, I feel like the people who talk that way, who have this accent, are actually more um, held in higher esteem. Huh. Does that make sense? Okay. It's yeah. like yeah. the people who are townies, yeah. you know, like from Southie and Southie and Dorchester. I mean, there's people who drive around my town. They have like in this back of their car these stickers that say OFD, which means originally from Dorchester. Like it's a certain type of person, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. like the, these are like the people who kind of. I hate to I hate to like lump everybody in, but it's true. <laughs> so I'm gonna say it. They're like they're the people who like who are like held in high esteem. Like they're like the townies and they yeah they, they're the OGs. We're the natives. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, their kids play the sports and they're all on the A teams even though they suck. And I, that's just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're. I grew. I went to school oh, with you, so yeah. you know your kids. He's he's going to be on the A team, and he'll play in high school hockey. And you know, anybody else who didn't grow up in this town, because I'm saying this from experience. You know, yeah, who cares about you? But that's yeah, how it is. Like yeah. these, the people who huh. are the townies in in my town are held in higher esteem. So yeah, I should adopt this accent. Too late yeah. now. So, Actually, I don't talk to anybody. So, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, so in Chicago, so like with Boston being so smashed in there, I feel like Chicago is so 
sprawling in a different way. I mean, it's butted up against the lake, but it's not like Boston. Like, I feel like, I feel like in Chicago, like if you went to certain areas, you definitely hear people talking with that super fan accent still, don't you think? That like, if you go to like a really Polish American neighborhood, you hear people talking like that. And I mean, really just any like the more working class neighborhoods, which I feel like Chicago still has plenty of those. I mean, Chicago has, yeah, I mean, there are still places that my friends can afford to move to that is, you know, Chicago. Um, You know, they're not moving down, you know, to downtown Chicago. I mean, if you want to live, you know, near where you worked, that would be like a bajillion dollars, right, Dad, where you used Mm -hmm. to work? I mean, if you want to live close to there. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole half upper half of the building I used to work in, it was all offices, is now all condos. And how much are those going for? Yeah, you know, a million or yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that's how Boston is too. Like even like the, box, the probably the areas around Boston, you can't even touch anymore too. So it's like everybody's just going. I don't even know where everybody's going. Yeah, yeah. But I think all those kind of local accents are typically associated with working class. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. more educated, the more exposed you are to diversity, the less of yeah. the accent you have. Well, and yeah. like you were saying, how Boston is such a, a college town. I mean, Chicago obviously has a crap ton of colleges, big and small, uh, uh, too. But I feel like there's still, I don't know, there's a lot more, you know, <laughs> there's a lot more acreage there in uh, yeah, Chicago where there's plenty of places that, like, you know, my friends in Blue Bottle lived in, like, you know, the, like, little Ukraine neighborhood, or, like, the little whatever, like, all the different ethnic neighborhoods. And you'd hear Do you people think... with those, but but those would be, like, the more, I mean, you'd hear people speaking, you know, those languages, but also it's just, like, the cheaper, or not cheaper, but more affordable areas, you'd still hear people that have retained their accents, whether it's an international you know, accent or um, or language or the Chicago accent. Do you think that that's because and I don't I don't know enough about Chicago, but uh, I'm just thinking about Boston. Like, there's like zero manufacturing in Boston anymore, so everything is either like healthcare, finance, or education. Yeah. Does Chicago have more of like a manufacturing? Because I know it's like closer to the to the Midwest, so it has like the. I mean, we're not farming manufacturing is that... anymore, are we? <laughs> no, that's. I don't know. Well, you, I mean, you tell you know, me. There's still, there's still a steel, but that's mostly way down south, and then in in you know Gary in northern Indiana, yeah, the fringes and like, of Chicago, like Joliet. Don't they? It's just yeah, Joliet there's still there's factories some stuff. oil refining, and yeah, you know, there's there's factories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's just so much room. Yeah, like Chicago goes into Indiana now. You know, I mean, well, it has for a long time, but it's all been so connected, like Chicagoland. Chicago proper is one thing, but like the Chicago, greater Chicago area, it's like there's, yeah, you can find people of every type. I mean, it's not, um, yeah, people that have the accent or, or I mean, yeah. But, um, but maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe it does have something to do today with, and I mean, the internet could play a part in things too. Just people are being exposed to, uh, worldly things a lot easier than they were, um, you know, even in the 80s, you know. So accents kind of, yeah. Getting back to what I said earlier, like, there's still certain slang and everything, which I'm, I'm glad it's still around. There's certain slang, yeah, the slang right? in different parts of the country that is more prevalent. Like, 
the way what you call soda and you call pop we call pop. soda yeah. and and I, I i love that that still exists and i hope that kind of continues and i'm sure it will just because the way that um like fast food i think it has to do with like fast food culture too yeah a lot of it's food based a lot of that's like <laughs> you know? the stuff that's stuck around yeah but, yeah like, i also you- think though it has to do with like pride in the area you come from like i will i would never call it soda like I, you know, if I went down south where they call everything a Coke, that would make sense because I always order Coke anyway. <laughs> like, oh, what kind? Uh, the regular kind, you know, Coke. Um, Vanilla. Yeah, like I, I'd always call it pop. Like it would feel so weird for me. Like next time I visit Boston, I'll have to, you know, if we go sit down restaurant, I'll be like, yeah, can I? Like I, I remember being. I don't know if it was in Pittsburgh actually. I remember asking what kind of pop they had and the guy being confused in Pittsburgh. Do they not call it pop? Uh, we call it pop. Okay. Pittsburgh. Maybe it was something else. Well, yeah, but then they had uh, drinks like you could get a soda that was different. Uh, wait, a soda was different than a pop? Yeah. What's a soda? Uh, ice, How so? Well, uh, an ice cream soda was sure. ice cream with like a root beer carbonated, float. yeah, whatever, yeah. but... But it was know, a generic I it, term. I called it pop growing up. Yeah, yeah I, I did soda, too. But... Soda sounds pretentious, kind of. Soda, sweet. right? Like, <laughs> well, it was like a soda fountain. That's funny. Yeah. You get your pop at the soda fountain, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, but so to get back to well, to, to talk to force us to talk more about the musical elements of this, let's uh, go back to before the Mink Car version. Did you get a chance to listen to the Dial a Song version I sent you then? Just like I did while I, while, I, while I was cooking my son burgers, I, I was able to hear that. Yeah. yeah. The pro is here to lead the way, to save the day. He clips the puck from Bobby Orr. He shoots. He scores. As he proceeds to torch the place. As he proceeds to scorch the place. As he proceeds to torch the place. Scorcher. Torture. Scorcher. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the tar. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the tar. And he pops a wheelie on his mini bike, and he burns rubber and he peels it out. He's a wicked little critter. It's funny. Can I ask a question? Yes. You may know this. Was this done? Maybe. Was this song done around the time they were doing their Dunkin' Donuts? Um, <laughs> because it sounds like they could have either used this for Dunkin' Donuts. Or it was like an outtake, like just the, and I'm not saying that disparagingly because I think the Dunkin' Donuts spots were pretty good. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And I feel like the Dialus song sounds. I, I thought the 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 what was on the Mink Car sound like oh they could that could have been they could have just been saying Dunkin' Donuts over this like that karate. When do you know that that right, spot? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the the that Dialus song sounds like the Dunkin' Donuts outtake. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Okay, hold on. When was that run? I feel like that was like five years later, maybe. Uh, was it okay? Was see, I okay. So do you call Dunkin' Donuts? Two thousand one wasn't a good year for me. I was kind of, I was kind of, I had no money. I was, I was locked out of pop culture at that point. <laughs> In two thousand one, yeah, yeah. Um, I, my my daughter was born. I was poor. <laughs> so okay, so the, through the mid odds, the so the songs they did for Dunkin' Donuts ran between um, September and October two thousand six. 
And then in January of 2008, there were a couple more. So it sounds like... Ah, so maybe this was before it, but the... Yeah, so right. this this was this was like five years before, but I wonder if the okay. Dunkin' Donuts people heard Wicked Little Critter and were like, hey, these guys know Boston, yeah. That's possible, yeah. Yeah. So the, the Dial-A-Song version, I'm always a big fan of Dial-A-Song, and this, um, mm, I, I'm not going to be able to give proper props right now. If I find out before I post this, I will give this guy props. So there was a guy in the Miscellaneous Tea Facebook group who posted – a huge zip file of um, dial-a-song recordings from this era, so not like the 80s, early 90s dial-a-song stuff, but stuff that he had called, well, it said modem recordings. So I'm guessing that he called the number through, you know, a, a internet, you know, so, I mean, whatever, at the time you would have used, I don't think Skype, Skype existed, but no, he was able to record. Exists, yeah. So these were digital recordings of the answering machine. So this is like what I sent you is like the best sounding to date version of the Wicked Little Critter dial-a-song. Um, and I will try to find that guy's name. Um, but there was a whole, I mean, the, a shitload of those uh, from that era, like all those mink car songs and no songs and all that, all from the dial-a-song stuff. But yeah, I love this, this, this version. Like it's definitely, it's pretty fully formed. Like it's missing some of the... Little drum details. Um, yeah, it sounded very similar to what they have now. Did I have that little punk rock part? That's one of my favorite parts of the Wicked Little Critter. It's like busts into that for three seconds. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I listened to it once, so I don't remember. Okay, it does not do the punk rock part. It just goes right back in the boom. So, yeah, the part where it's just the wild drumming uh, is not in that Dial-A-Song version. Um, And the record scratching is not in the Dial-A-Song version. Uh, As the wiki says, it says, less wacky noises, (laughs) which is great, which is true. So, I mean, there's a lot of crazy keyboard sounds um, and samples and scratching and all these little bleeps and bloops in the the main version. So there's less of that in the Dial-A-Song, which makes sense. Um, but it is pretty much like that's the whole idea there, and the lyrics are pretty much. I think they're exactly the same. Um, no, I didn't hear anything different. No. Yeah, I actually thought his yeah. Boston accent was more pronounced in the version, the the Dallas song version, than what yeah. actually made the cut. Yeah, well, maybe what's... maybe it was just because it was the, the it was done in the studio, so there was a lot less inter- noise interference. I don't maybe. know. Yeah, what's funny about the Dallas song? It seems like he doubles his vocals. Which is a technique that I do. I mean, the, I mean, the Beach Boys do it, so I do it on everything. Where you sing the same thing twice, right? And and you hear both, and it's a vocal double. The the Johns almost never do, especially Linnell. Flansburg will double his vocals sometimes, but Linnell on the album track is not doubled. But on the Dial a Song, for some reason, it is doubled, which is usually a thing you do in the studio, not on the demo. It's like the opposite. But I mean, see, I think if you're going to double your tracks, you have to have a lot of confidence in your voice to be with. I would never double my tracks because if I record a song, it sounds good. I'm like, all right, it's not going to sound good again. That's it. (laughs) Well, the technique, and Cara likes this technique too, is that you sing like one good run through. And you're like, that was pretty good. But then to boost your own confidence, you sing a duet with yourself and sing along with the first track you just did. Uh, so now you've got yourself to, to boost your, you know, you don't feel like you're singing a solo anymore. You're singing along with yourself. And then that helps to get a better take. 
and then uh, then you record a couple more, and you'd keep just like singing along with one of yourself, and it just feels more powerful. And if you really know your vocal melody and your delivery, I mean, obviously, if you're like, if you were like a soul singer who does a ton of little like ornamentation stuff and all this little like crazy vocal runs, that might be hard to double exactly. But the yeah. kind of songs that I write, uh, the the melody, like the poppiness of the melody, is very clearly, is very precisely written, and I could sing it the same way. I could alter it if I wanted, but when I decide the way that I like it. I could sing it a million times in the same way. Yeah, because but. well, that's because you you are like a true musician. Like you, <laughs> you 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 no, it's true. Like you know notes, you know how to play all the instruments. Like for someone like me, I was like, all right, I'm lucky that this is in the right key. I'll just keep going. I know my range. <laughs> I know, I but that's just it's just how you t- yeah. it's just like how you attack the song. But like, yeah, yeah, you you're able you you can read music, so you're like, all right, I, this is like in the key of A. You can sing that key. So, yeah, just, uh, maybe, just I guess, I don't know. But uh, you listen to enough Beach Boys, you're like, yeah, you can't not double it. It just sounds so thick and luxurious. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, it's like... Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, earlier today, I was surprised to see that Dan Hickey, who drummed with the band in this era, who was not too... A couple months ago, I guess, once the time this airs, a couple months ago was on the Rest of While episode. I was surprised to see that Dan Hickey does not drum on this track. He... It was the drummer of this era, so I assumed that at least that little punk part was him. I mean, obviously, it's mostly drum machine. Now, I knew it was a, yeah. uh, it was partly produced by the or co-produced by the Elegant Two, and that's T O O, the Elegant Two. Um, yeah, I'll talk about them in a second. But even the live drums is one of the Elegant Two. So it says in in the um, credits on the wiki. John Linnell, lead vocal, uh, accordion, John Linnell, keyboard, John Linnell. Um, oh, also, Flansburg is not on this song. Um, there's no keyboard. Oh, no, really? So yeah. it's just like a sole John Linnell song? Yeah, it's, it's well, it's John Linnell on the accordion, the, key, the wacky synths, and the lead vocal, but there is no guitar. Uh, Danny, Danny Weinkoff is on a playing bass, but uh, there, there's no Dan Miller, John Flansburg, or Dan Hickey. The programming, the drum programming, is done by the Elegant Two. The Elegant Two are Chris Maxwell and Phil Hernandez. And the additional drums, which is, I'm positive it's live drums, on the little punk part there. Yeah, that, that's, is, you can't get that from a, from a yeah, drum machine. It's way too wild. It's like they recorded it kind of low fidelity on purpose to make it sound real, just like jagged, like some sort of 80s hardcore or something all of a sudden. Uh, like it's going to like bad brains or something, you know, all of a sudden the drums are all crazy <laughs> and like recorded, not very precisely, but that's actually Phil Hernandez of the elegant two. That is not Dan Hickey. So, so I, I don't know who the elegant two are. Uh, what's that? Oh, the I elegant don't know. Two. You, tell me about that. Okay. So, um, the elegant two, I only know through the MIP giants, um, cause sometimes they've done some re they've done some remixes. Um, like they did a remix of man. It's so loud in here, which I played on that episode. Um, they've done remixes of the, uh, the Dr. Evil song they did, uh, E eats everything off the, here come the ABCs. Um, they did that one. Um, pictures of pandas painting, which is a really obscure track. And you I've never heard of that track at yeah. all. Well, yeah, because it's not on. It's not. 
I want to say it's not on an album. It's from like the podcast. Or no, I'm sorry. It was from Here Come the ABCs because of the P's. It's from Here Come the ABCs. Pictures of Pain is Painting on Here Come the ABCs. But uh, the remix was only played on the podcast. I misspoke there. Yeah, the, the remix was never on an album. But so the but mainly they worked with them from the late 90s to the early aughts because the earliest thing they appeared on was, um, from what I can tell... Well, let's see. It was mostly Mink Car era stuff. So like, and then a little after that. So like, Am I Awake, which was, which was on the Indestructible Object EP. Super great song. All dancey, full of drum machines. Uh, that came out between, uh, well, it came out before The Spine. But like, it was mostly, mm-hmm. um, let's see, It's Kicking In from The Spine. Uh, Mink Car stuff, like Mr. Excitement, they worked on. Yeah. My Man, they worked on. Uh, man, it's so loud in here, and and the remix, obviously. But they they worked on the original too, so they're like, I don't know much about them, but it's um, Phil Phil Hernandez was also did stuff with Monopuff, and Chris Maxwell was in a band called Skeleton Key. Now the only guy I'd ever recognize is that um, Phil Hernandez is uh, in the video for Doctor Worm, even though he is not actually on that track. Phil Hernandez is the guy that you see playing the bongos in the Dr. Worm video. Because I remember watching that video. It's got the Johns. It's got Dan Hickey playing the drums whenever they mention the drums. But then it's the... um, When I get into it, I can't tell. And there's this guy playing the bongos all crazy. I'm like, who is that guy? I was always like, who is that guy? He is Phil Hernandez, and he's in this the Elegant 2, which, uh, I mean... He's been a so is that what for, a thing? They just happened to remix the They May Be Giant songs, or, they just, or do they have other uh, projects? I mean, I'm gonna have to look them up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, really, I don't, I don't really know much either. It's like they're. Um, it seems like yeah. At, so elegant2.com, too. Yeah, they mentioned them at the beginning of Mister Excitement, right? Doty, the elegant two. You know, uh, Mister Excitement, that thing. Um, but we got oh, they've done songs for Bob's Burgers. It looks like, well, I'm on their official website, and it sounds like they're more of uh, producers, and yeah, it sounds like they're mostly producers and, and collaborators. It doesn't seem so much that they have, like, albums, but they've scored yeah. episodes. They've scored episodes for Bob's Burgers. Um, yeah, John John Oliver's New York. Yeah, Dimitri Martin's, you know, important things. Yeah. Like, all these they little... Were from the- from the with the dude from um, Soul Coffee, Mike Dowdy. I see that. I'm I'm yeah. looking on Wikipedia. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, so like I cool. said, yeah. Mister so Excitement. So they've they've collaborated a lot with that crowd. It looks like they work a lot with comedians. Yeah, I don't know, but it's well, it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, I only know them through They Might Be Giants. Um, and yeah, I didn't know what any of them looked like until I figured out that that was the, the guy that's in Dr. Worm in the video, even though he's not on the song. I mean, Dan Hickey's not on the song either, as we discovered. Uh, he's not the drummer on that song, but he was the drummer in the band. So like, get on the drums. We're filming the video. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Elegant 2 did all this production on this and uh, um, and all these, like a bunch of songs on Mink Car. And I love all of those songs. I've got a fang. Man, it's so loud in here. I mean, I, my man, and Mr. Excitement gets shit on, but that song has some really cool stuff going on too. So I've mad props for these guys when they, and I like when the Giants like let some other people in on the process a little bit. And it, it, 
it worked to great effect on the else too and like the dust brothers uh were co-producing so yeah yeah so i'm a pretty big fan of when the giants are like hey we're pretty good at doing drum machine stuff but why don't you guys give it a whirl on this one well yeah it definitely helps to mix up your sound yeah it's like having somebody else out there like shake things up or something you know like i like my car i was i see um i want to just mention earlier do you know you know the band perubu i think people have talked about that well yeah their bass player played in they might be giants yeah like (laughs) make car sounds i don't know if you've ever heard like the tenement year like i I, oh yeah i felt like there's definitely like they were definitely listening to that record when they made make car not 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 every song sounds like but there's definitely the essence yeah of tenement year in make car yeah, um, yeah, which was pretty cool. I, I, that's one of my favorite pair again, records. So again, maybe that's why I like this because it's got kind of like an air of of punk or post punk about it, where it's like it's not a punk record, but it's got these elements that are really artsy. And Pear Ubu was known for. I mean, they were like art punks essentially. Um, yeah, and a lot of their stuff. I really like their popular stuff too. So they sure they had they had like the. Like kind of experimental, but some of their stuff was really, especially in like the late eighties, it was really like the, some really catchy melodies on yeah. top of like some dis, dis um, I'm not going to pronounce it right. Um, dissonance. Is that the right word? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, yeah. 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 Some harmonies that are what might yeah, most masked would, by uh, like some yeah. ugly sounds, but people, most people aren't going to listen to them. I mean, you, you can pull a bunch of like hundred people. Yeah. Zero are going to listen to no, Perubu, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. like a, well, yeah, but I feel like yeah, I'm hoping to get Tony uh, Mayom or is it Mayomi Mayom, their their bass player who was then in the the John Henry era played. I'm uh, hopefully going to get him on through uh, through Brian uh, Brian Doherty. Oh, good, yeah, um, that'd be awesome. But yeah, I'd love to talk with him about Pier. I've talked about Pier Ubu on Best Midwestern a couple times. I mean, Cleveland, you know, I mean, what other bands that cool have come i mean a lot of good bands come out of cleveland but ones that are so artsy like like they seem like a new york band you know yeah um, i'm like, like but, thinking yeah. um great it's great plains are they out of cleveland um, um do you know them i def yeah um i don't know I'm if you know positive. that I, you mean know they're a pretty good band um there's a whole guy, Ron House. Do you know that guy's name? He's done a lot yeah, of. Uh, I think yeah. I think he's out of that area. I don't know if it's Cleveland, like Thomas Jefferson Jefferson Slave Apartments. I don't know if that's Cleveland <laughs> or another yeah. area, which is just the craziest name. I mean, yeah. if you guys pick a name, yeah. let's not let's not be popular. Let's call ourselves Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments. <laughs> Slave Apartments. <laughs> no, so, no, we'll ever yeah. buy our records. So, <laughs> my mom probably would have laughed at that, but she's ditched us. Um, she went upstairs and. Uh, so let's at least get my dad's opinion here. What do you think about um, at least the the proper the album version? Going back to the regular version of "Wicked Little Critter," uh, what do you like about that? Like other than like we talked about the lyrics like endlessly, but um, like musically, do you do you like it? Yeah, I like it. It's I don't know to me just another example how they take any subject, <laughs> anything, and turn it into catchy. Um, yeah, I'm. Just a, a fun song to listen to and one to, uh, interesting to analyze just because they throw all kinds of crazy stuff in there that makes you scratch your head and say, all right, yeah. <laughs> what are they talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, and not even lyrically, like musically, because I think, and maybe you guys have heard too much They Might Be Giants at this point too, but I think most people who don't know They Might Be Giants, if you play them like They'll Need a Crane 
and then like Boss of Me, and then you threw on Wicked Little Critter, you'd be like, these are three different bands. Yeah. Yes. But they're the yeah. same band. I mean, that's what's so great about them. And again, what makes them so great for a podcast is that I'm not just saying, oh, the drums are cool and loud in this one too. No, like we could talk about like, wait, who's the drummer? Is that a drum machine? Is that real drums? What's what's the deal there? Like there's even just even just discussing discussing the percussion of this song you know, could take like 15 minutes, you know? Well, I always, I also think like, you listen to this song and I've said this before, like they, they created like this, like that, that when they, I guess the accordion, the keyboards, everything, it's, it's freaking beautiful, beautiful. And they, they, it's almost like they say, Oh, let's just throw away some joke lyrics over that. If I created that one song that sounded like that, I'd be like, this is the best song ever. I can't believe I made this. They're just like, they make, their music well, is so catchy. So good. Like, Oh, just throw some Boston, Boston accents. We'll talk right. about burning rubber and, uh, use it, abuse. Like, <laughs> well, it's, it's like, like John Linnell has said in the past, like when his state songs album came out, there's an NPR interview. I played a little bit of it on that Patreon episode. Where he's basically like, I'm tired of thinking of uh, things to write songs about. It's almost like the lyrics get in the way, like in the way. Like he's kind of talked about how he's like, almost like an improv crew. Like he, sh- he should just be like, hey, what do you want me to make a song about? And like someone will yell something. Make, make it about Boston accents. Okay. <laughs> he's like, I got, yeah. I got these sweet synth licks and this cool beat. I just need a topic, man. Give me a topic. Oh, the Boston accent. Okay, here I go. And then, like, he has something to write a song about. I know it's like it's almost crazy. like you're you're wasting your this great song on those lyrics, but it's maybe be giant. So you know, the next song they can just have something just as poignant and uh, thought provoking as something else. So right. it's not <laughs> wasting yeah. the lyrics. But for me, I'm like, I'm not wasting my lyrics on on my, my lyrics on this song. This, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Funny. I'm not going to put any lyrics to it because it's just too it's too beautiful. I can't can't yeah. think of anything. But also, like the the chance, like the whole thing about the lyrics being like who's the narrator? Does he like this guy? Is he cheering for this guy? Or does he hate this guy? What's the relationship here? Um, oh, I think like, the guy beats the shit out of him. That's what oh, I think. Oh, totally. But <laughs> like the confusion there, it kind of works with the, the style of the song. Cause it's almost like an arena anthem in a way where it's like this big piece, like boom, 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 and then wicked little critter, like something that the crowd would shout. Uh, when Bobby Orr would, you know, he shoots, he scores, wicked little critter. And then it breaks into this big beat. And then, um, in a perfect world, that's how it would be in Boston, right, in the right. TD Garden. People would sing that in a perfect right, world, right? That's but, how it should but be. But like, you see how the the lyrics and the delivery kind of fits the music, and then it breaks down to just the accordion. He's a wicked little critter with a sasiba, and he he breaks down like a gentle. Here's the gentle part, and then there's like a timpani roll in there, which has to be a. I mean, I guess they could have had a timpani in the studio, but it might be a sample by the Elegant 2. There's a little timpani roll. Brrr. He's a wicked little critter with this. Yeah, and he pops a wheelie on his mini bike, and the beat starts to build up again. And the Havlicek is used and abused. Um, but then it, it, it goes into the... And then it breaks down again to the... He's a wicked little guy, and all that whispering part. And then the punk part, and then back to like a whispering part. He's a dink. Way to go. And this is all in two minutes and 11 seconds. It goes from like this big arena anthem beat, these crazy synths, and then a gentle accordion part, and then it breaks down to a whisper, and then a huge punk part, and then it breaks down yeah. to a whisper again. Like, so much happens in this song. Like, 
I could have that when they go yeah. into like the the accordion piece. It sounds like heaven. Like yeah. that's what it sounds like. To me. It's, it's fucking. It's yeah. fucking beautiful. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, like that's why I was like when I listened to it. It took me so long to listen. Like what the hell is going on in this song? I like, know it's beautiful and then it's like this guy talking like they sound like my my freaking neighbor down the street who's popping wheelies up and down the street is <laughs> yeah. a motorbike right but this beautiful accordion backing <laughs> yeah like and that's, yeah. this is like the perfect linnell song because it's it's almost like an 80s it's almost like a duo era song because yeah you had other guys that were helping with the drum machine but it's essentially just john linnell and, you know, John Linnell used to play the bass sometimes, or he'd do a bass synth. So you got Danny Weinkoff involved, but pretty much this is a John Linnell project. And this could have been a song. That's why I love the Mink Car, because that's why I love the Mink, uh, Mink Cars and Elm, because so many of these songs, it's like, this could have been on the Pink album, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they had come mm. up in the, you know, in Lincoln, they they knew people with those accents, Um and maybe the drum machine wouldn't sound as fat. You know, it would be an 80s-style drum machine. But they could have written this song back then. Just, like, weird lyrics. They're doing weird voices like they did. They did weird voices so much more in the duo era. I mean, hell, like, fingertips or, like, you know, guest vocalists and weird voices. Yeah. And you're like, which John is that? I don't know because they're doing this weird voice. So he's doing a weird voice. You got drum machine. You got synthesizers and then accordion. Typically, you'll hear songs these days, it's like, oh, it's an accordion song, or oh, it's a keyboard song. This one has both. So this is just like John Linnell, like, just just typified, yeah. just like boiled well, down to his essence, weird lyrics with a weird voice, drum machine, keyboard, uh, accordion. Like the lack of <laughs> the lack of ego that this band has, like you don't find that in any other band. Seriously, it's just like, yeah. they come with these songs and like, all right, I don't know if how how to really explain it, but it's like they there's like it's it's also like, it's almost like there's no competition between these two guys and the rest of the musicians. Like whatever yeah. you have, you just throw in there, and it's, that's yeah. a rare thing. I feel like a lot of bands, especially when you have people like two songwriters, it's like all right, I can tell this guy wrote the song, I can tell this guy wrote the song. You don't get that with they might be giants. And yeah, I've said that yeah. before. It's like, but also it's a not, rare thing. not even yeah, but not also not even. Um, like, did they have such strong viewpoints or uh, from each songwriter's standpoint? But they they somehow gel together yet have their own like views um, or styles. But then, like the the bigger thing is that Flansburg wasn't like, well, I'm the guitar player. I'm going to put some guitar on this song. He's just like, eh, it sounds good the way it is. You don't need any guitar. Exactly. Um, why why mess the good thing? Right. But That's. I think that brings us to this live clip I want to show. Um, and this is before, so I, I sent you a live recording of a modern era one, but they played this on a TV show on Tech TV in 2002. Um, hold on, let me find this link. I, I lost it. Uh, I did not send you this one. So this will be fresh for you to view. And you can give this a listen because it's pretty awesome because here you got Flansburg adding guitar. You got um, Linnell playing his little uh, chaos pad, I believe is it's spelled with a K, his little touch pad that he uses still to this day a ton, and he uses it on the modern version of this that we'll listen to in a second. Um, but you'll see Dan Hickey actually playing the drum pads. It's almost like what they call the quiet storm now. Yeah, I'm clicking on it. I'm watching it now, yeah. Go ahead and watch it. Me and my dad can watch it too.
lead the way to save the day. Wicked little critter! He clips the puck from Bobby Orr. He shoots, he scores! As he proceeds to torch the place. As he proceeds to scorch the place. As he proceeds to torch the place. Torture, scorcher, torture. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar and he lays a patch on the top. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar and he lays a patch on the top. He decides to ditch him, he ditches, and nobody knows where he ditched. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar and he lays a patch on the top. And he clips the ball from half the check, and half the check is used and abused. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar and he lays a patch on the top. He's a wicked little guy. I, f- I fucking so love good. this band. So good. It's so, so fucking awesome. Right. But this, like, it's it's such a different version. And so Wicked Little Critter, they've played it, I mean, apparently they've played it 111 times. But this one has got to be one that's really hard to pull off live. And you can see here, the song was still fairly new. They were promoting the compilation, the double-disc compilation that was called Dial-A-Song, 20 Years of TMBG. Um that came out in 2002, so they were celebrating 82 to 2002 with this big compilation. Uh, my wife, it was actually, Kara bought that because when we met, she's like, oh, I should probably know who this band is. <laughs> so she bought the newest compilation, which was <laughs> She's Dialysis. smart. Yeah. She, she knew better, yeah. Yeah, we met in 2002. So, she, um, so, she, so she, did she know they might be Giants before you met her? She's like, oh, I got I to gotta brush up on my... Uh, like they might be giants. You know, so I think you know she knew a lot of people that listen to weird music. They weren't. I don't think she knew them really, but she was a she was aware of them, and I think she'd heard their hit songs and stuff. You know, we yeah we both grew up in the Chicago area, not the same same area, but um, you know she had to have heard Flood and all that. You know, I should actually ask her if she even remembers that, even remembers TMBG before I came into her life. <laughs> but yeah, so she bought that compilation. Can't escape it now, right? Yeah, so we still have it, even though I own like every song on that on other things. I've still kept that the blue with the finger on it, with the ant on the finger. So that came out in two thousand two. So Mink Car was the newest album. I mean, this. I mean, No came out that year as well. I'm not sure on the. I'd have to look at the actual release dates. But um, so Mink Car was the newest album, and for them, it looks like. Oh, how are we going to do this song live? Is what it looks like to me. And they're like, "Oh, well, you got to have Dan do something." So even though Linnell has that keyboard on a table, uh, well, I mean, not a keyboard. He's got his chaos pad, and then he's got a little drum machine, a little. Yep. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to get a good a good angle on it because they show a couple different camera angles of him messing with that, hitting buttons off to the side. Um, yeah, I don't know what those are called. Yeah, I see them in the music store. Yeah, I mean it's a little drum machine, and that's what's doing the and that's kind of going throughout. Or I think he might have toggled it on and off here and there. Did they? They had a backing track on that version, right? When they go, "Wicked little critter," that was a. Oh yeah, there's definitely like it's got the studio vocal there because you can see Flans yelling off mic. 
Um, but it sounds like the album vocal on the yeah. So they kept that in the backing track. So whatever Linnell <clears throat> is playing with, he's like he's messing with like some sort of digital version of the backing track, right? Toggling stuff on and off over there, and then yeah. he's got his chaos pad to make those wacky noises. But then like the drum machine beat is is Dan Hickey back there um, with the with the drum pads, and it's a very similar looking setup to what Marty plays now on the quiet storm era. So like the beat is not, you don't get the boom, boom. Like it's, it's a much less bassy kind of version. Mm -hmm. Um, and Danny's not up there for some reason. I mean, Danny actually plays on the track. Why do they not have the bass player up there? I don't know. Uh, instead they throw guitar into it so that, I mean, it's a TV appearance. Obviously Flansburg is going to be up there. What do you think of the guitar? I like that though. I thought that that guitar part sounded really good. Sure. I mean, just right, but why you know, is there Danny up there? Musicians. What? I don't know. Maybe maybe he. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, can't speak for that. Whoa, like those big bass runs. Do like those are missing. Still, it's a pretty cool version. So tech it TV. Is. Yeah, tech or wait TSS. What would that stand for? I was I was talking to John Ellis, and he said uh, he's like I remember seeing that live. And I mean, I was in college, didn't I have cable? I think I had rabbit ears on my TV. But it's like Tech TV was <laughs> I didn't my favorite have a TV, channel. Yeah. Yeah. Tech, tech TV, was TV? My never channel. heard of it. Yeah. I never mean, heard of it. I, I that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Tech I, TV. I've never heard of that. I don't, I, don't I, I don't think so. I thought this was a um, tiny desktop because uh, you just sent me the link. I thought it was like a tiny desktop uh, no. video. No. no. No, 2002 Tech TV, some cable channel that's since gone under, under I'm assuming. It's um, probably an IPO that sold so, for billions and then uh, <laughs> sold for tens. Right, yeah, so, so let's AOL uh, of its time. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, AOL, it'll be around forever. Yeah. Uh, so then we can transition to a much newer live version. So that was in 2002 on TV. And lots of times they'll do things on TV in a different arrangement than they do it at a full live concert. But I'm going to go to a recording by Peter Gritch, who has been on two episodes. Uh, let's see. He was on the Flood Tour uh, preview uh, Patreon episode, and he was also on the Unrelated Thing episode. He is well known in the community for his bootleg recordings, which are encouraged by the band. So I don't know if you even call them bootlegs. But uh, he has a really no. nice recorder. <laughs> yeah. No. I'd say bootlegs makes it no, sound like something's you weren't supposed to record that. If it's recorded so, for like from the soundboard or something, it's not a bootleg. It's, no, no, no. If, it's they, not, they, no. if they set you up in a special place. No, that's they, not. No, no. no Peter Brock, has one of those Zoom. Peter has one of those Zoom field recorders. It has like the two little mics on. It's just a little handheld digital recorder. Um, but he usually like he'll find a good spot. Like he's usually in the balcony. Like he doesn't go right up front. So his recordings like are getting the full mix of the PA. They're not coming off the board. But he's not like standing in front of like Miller's guitar amp or something. Yeah. You know. So I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like people love to get belly up to the stage if they can, but it's not going to sound the best there. You know, you got a sound no, guy. I'm not, you want to be back by the speakers. I'm not really a fan of bootlegs unless it's recorded from the soundboard. I just don't care. I'd really, I'd rather just well, uh, just listen to. Well, the reason I'm playing this to, is because yeah. it's a way they've never played the song before. That's yeah, the whole reason I'm playing it. So, did I, you send me this link? Earlier? I did send it to you. Um, it's a two minute forty one link, right? Yeah. So me and my dad are gonna listen to it again here real quick. So like comparing it to, so this is what they call the Quiet Storm version, which is the two Johns and Marty, who is now their drummer, playing. He's playing a similar drum machine thing to what they showed Dan Hickey playing there. Uh, let me let my dad listen a little bit of this again. 
So this is recorded by Peter Gritch uh, in February at the Bowery Ballroom in uh, New York. I couldn't hear it. I was trying to click the link, but I couldn't oh. couldn't click it. So you, well, you got I was you guys. I kept. I'm looking for it. I can't find it on so the. So it's um, right next to. So I sent you both the dial a song and the live yeah, one. They're right next I know, to each I, other. With I'm that little on, arrow. It, yeah, it's not letting me. Every time I click on it, it's trying to like have me send an emoji to you. So if you right click, you can you right click or uh, are you it's on the tablet. It's on my phone. Okay. Um, so I could hear, well, <laughs> but I wanted to because I heard you and your dad listen, like laughing and like commenting. I'm like, this, I'm missing out. Well, <laughs> I was like, so, while you were listening, I was like searching on YouTube. I couldn't. No, couldn't that's that's the thing. It. I had to go to the miscellaneous tea group. If you, if you, there's a downloads uh, on the sidebar, there's a downloads thing where like John and Mike Buffington and all those guys who are like archivalists of They Might Be Giants will upload stuff. Uh, and uh, you can see, get, I miss it. So Peter's released. Well, yeah, like I had to go and get it tonight. I'm like, yeah. Well, I went to John. I'm like, I know there's a recording of them doing this like a month ago. Uh, who was that? Oh, it was Peter. Oh, it's in the Miscellaneous Tea Group, of course. So I went and I could have downloaded the whole concert, but for now, I just downloaded that one. But it sounds so good. And like the, it's totally different in that there's no. 
There's no drum machine. I mean, Marty's playing drum pads, but there's no like that's kind of gone. Like Marty's just playing a little rhythm there. Um, but the 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 important distinctions I noticed that um, is that doesn't it seem like Linnell kind of drops the accent a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah he get up to the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Like when he says "used and abused," it almost just sounds like how I'd say it, right? About. So I think like maybe he's probably sung it so many times that it's just like hard to even do that accent after a while. Maybe, think, but right? it seems like know. that would be ingrained. Like that's the way you perform it. But maybe it's like maybe at this point they're like, oh, it's a good. It's a good song. Like you said, like, oh, this is almost like throwaway lyrics over really good music. Maybe John Linnell agrees with you, and he's like, well, the joke isn't really what it once was, but this is still a really good song, and people like it. Now, I like everything about it. Um, that's what I was saying. I was positing that maybe Linnell agrees with you uh, in that he thinks the lyrics are kind of throwaway lyrics, but he knows it's a good song, so he's not laying into the gag as much as he once was, maybe. Yeah. Uh, after a certain time, maybe you don't need to lay into that. What you was know, the it's... one little twist he did that was funny? Is nobody knows to where he ditched or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Like he threw in like a weird little turn of phrase that like yeah. Linnell would just like toss off this little thing as a as a joke to you know for to amuse nobody but himself just nobody knows to where he ditched like why would you change it to that oh just because you're like amusing yourself up there on stage because you own the song you can do it you know yeah right you you know he's got however you want he's got he's got such commands of the the lyrics like a lot of people you know some musicians they just stick to whatever they do but these guys they're able to switch on the fly he he actually added in an extra dink because the the original, <laughs> he saves the dink till the very last little pl- little thing, um, but on this one, he both times a breakdown, but both before and after the punk part, he says he's a dink right off the bat, and I don't know if he messed up and was like, oh wait, it's not the end of the song yet. It's still the he's a wicked little guy, wicked piss a little guy. Um, he went to the he's a dink. Oh wait, it's not that part yet. Um, I got also, problems. One, yeah, I, I got problems. <laughs> I got problems. He does kind of say a very like he's like very resigned. He's like, I got problems, <laughs> and like that gets a laugh from the crowd, which I think is hilarious. One thing of note though is that in the accordion part, like this is just audio, it's not video, but he's got a keyboard in front of him, not an accordion. You can hear him like banging on the piano in the punk part. He's like. Ting, 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 like on a piano chord. But in the accordion part from the original, that's where Flansburg's guitar finally comes in. So it's like a, yeah. it's a, it's okay. a guitar part instead of a yeah. accordion part, like a little gentle acoustic. He's a broom with a broom and a broom. Dun, 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 dun. And so it's still like a gentle um, part. But um, it's like they switched around the ornament, the, the arrangement, like uh, the instrumentation, like completely. Um, with with Marty doing like kind of all of his own thing, like making up his own thing on the drum pads. But the timpani are there. There's a timpani sound on one of the pads. I don't know if you noticed that. I might have pointed to you when that came on. But um, on that first breakdown, he's wicked little critter with a sissy bar, and he lays a patch on the There's like a big timpani roll in the original. Marty has that queued up on the drum machine. I never even heard of a. I never even heard of a timpani till. This evening, so thank you. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that's what the was timpani, that, you've that, heard, that's what that was you called. Have heard Peter so. and the Wolf or seen any classical kettle music? Drums. <laughs> the kettle drums, man. Yeah, and whenever you see a drummer standing back there with four giant drums around him, well, they're the only one of the only well, the only classical percussion that's 
uh, a drum that's pitched. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, they're in jeopardy. Boom, boom at the end. Those are timpani. <laughs> so there's a little timpani roll. <laughs> just this one timpani roll. Boom. And Marty's got it queued up on his drum pad, like a timpani sample, which is hilarious to me. When that came in, I'm like, they didn't forget the timpani. And that's great. So who else is in there in the background when they do the... It's I thought I almost heard like a woman's voice in the... On that little, live recording? Yeah. Sounded, well, maybe the crowd's singing along. Oh, I mean, you can hear good. Flansburg yelling, but he's definitely off the mic. Like, he's trying... I think Flansburg might be trying to, like, get the crowd to sing along. Um, well, maybe it was and Flansburg's just kind of, like, yell singing off mic. But I think since it's... They call it the quiet storm. It's like the acoustic part of the set where... It's quieter. I mean, it's still got the drum machines. It's not full drums and electric guitars. So I think there's more chance for the crowd to get onto a live recording by yelling loudly. So there could be crowd members sticking out there. But um, I think it's time to talk about the one cover that my dad found. What's that? What's the band yeah. name? Is it is it the Mink Car cover or Mink Car? What was it? Yeah, I think it is. In, the Mink. Um, so. YouTube turned up nothing but a couple. There was one cute little video that like a dad and his daughter had made of them like lip syncing to it and pretending to play the bass and all this stuff. But it wasn't a cover. It was just a fun little little video. But like the fact that YouTube turned up no covers, I'm like, what? So I went to SoundCloud, no covers. But Bandcamp, uh, there was a for the 10th anniversary of Mink Car in 2011. There was a full compilation uh, tribute album by uh, several artists and let me send you the link to this one let's see where the right, the great. band is called the double clicks oh um, yeah i found it here i got it yeah okay so the double clicks uh did you listen to it yet or are you gonna go ahead and listen to it no i'll listen to it i'll put it on okay. I'll, yeah, I'll put yeah. it on now <laughs> no, I like this. This is good. A lot of times you find covers of this, like, you know, whatever. This is good. As he proceeds to torch the place. As he proceeds to scorch the place. As he proceeds to torch the place. Scorcher, torture, scorcher. Wicked little critter. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar. And he lays a patch on the top. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar. And he lays a patch on the top. And he pops a wheelie on his mini bike. And he burns rubber and he peels out. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar. And he lays a patch on the top. And he clips the puck from Havlicek. And Havlicek is used and abused. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar. And he lays a patch on the top. He decides to ditch and he ditches. And nobody knows where he ditched. He's a wicked little critter with a sissy bar. And he lays a patch on the top. <laughs> oh, I like that. What is it that? It sounds like, like a-, a Magnetic Fields covering that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is really great. Yeah, I, I I actually would buy this from them. I mean, they I have think, a link to get this. Yeah, you can buy it for a dollar. dollar. You yeah. can buy the whole yeah. album there. Yeah, but um, yeah, 
Which makes me wonder if they actually got the rights to these, because to when we sell covers, like for Outdoor Velour, put our covers out, we pay licensing fees. Like to cover Doctor Worm, I think we paid thirty five dollars uh, to yeah. their, their licensing fees. Um, I mean, it's only a dollar. I don't think they might be giants would take them to quarter over it, but you got to be careful when you're selling someone else's song, even if it's your version. But yeah, anyway, that's true. Double clicks, like it doesn't have. Um, let's see the credits. I'm trying to see who's playing these here. Let's see, Mansell in here. I'm trying to find the like who these women are, because the the singing is great. The uh, strings, like it's like, I mean, like I said, it's like the magnetic fields covering this song. You got like a string. It sounds like maybe there's just two women, and well, there's definitely live drums, and that could be them too. But like the two women. One's playing a violin, and sh- and she may have sampled herself with the pizzicato. So instead of the little drum machine dinks, it's got the little pizzicato strings. And it's play. It's either played perfectly or else they sampled themselves. And then the cello. I feel like these covers when people do covers, it's like, all right, you know, all right, fine. They sound like they're recording their bedroom. Like these people really think. Sound like they put a lot of thought into it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like there's stylistic changes, like it still keeps like the feel of the original, but then that, um, yeah, the breakdown, the what's the originally the accordion part, like it's just like this gorgeous like string quartet with like these women like doing like pretty harmonies, and it's like mm-hmm. no longer is this song silly, like all of a sudden it's like this is legit. It's a ballad. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's this beautiful ballad, and I don't know, Dad. I'm sure you've heard the magnetic fields on my comps, but yeah, like I heard, yeah, yeah. So like. He's totally into like there's he almost always has had a cellist in his band at least in this century uh, uh, they've been around forever but like he loves strings and that kind of like chamber chamber pop is what like pitchfork would probably call it where it's like got these classical elements but it's still like a pop song and that's kind of where they, they they take it the double clicks you it's, know though I'm I don't this not this cover. But I'm just noticing in the lyrics how they're mixing their sports references when he says he clips the puck from Havlicek. Well, the, I think this might be messed up. No, clips the ball from Havlicek. Well, no, he says he clips the puck, doesn't he? Um, no, he clips the puck from Bobby Orr. And then down here, he clips uh, the ball from Havlicek. Oh, he clips the puck. Yeah, because yeah. Havlicek's the best. Yeah, I know player. that, but I thought I, yeah. I thought I heard him say no, clips they got the it. puck from No, they Havlicek. got it right. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, this 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 cover is just amazing um, in every way. It's really good, and I wish I could say who these women's name is, but all I'm seeing is credits to... I don't know if I'm not clicking on the right picture, but I'm seeing credits to Bang, Cyclops Rock, some of the other songs, but I'm not seeing credits to this. I mean, the Double Clicks, I mean, I don't know. Are they a real band? Let me see if they have a Facebook page. The Double Clicks... Um, it doesn't sound like a real band. I wish the they alone. were. I mean, I don't know. I wish they were. Uh, wait, hold on a sec. The Double Clicks, and I've there's three friends of mine that like them. Hold on a second. This might be a real band. And these are friends that I know are fans. Okay. Okay, hold on. We got... Okay, it's not It's not two women. We've got, we've got Aubrey Turner, and we've got... Uh, La- laser laser La- laser melina weber there are people that are calling going to call in so um and they are apparently 
must be non-binary, has pronouns here, but Lesler, Melina Weber, uh, and Aubrey Turner are the double clicks. And the fact that friends of mine that are fans of They Might Be Giants also like this band is, show, is, is just proving to me that this is them. And I'm looking at, they've, they've got, yeah, they've, they had, they've, they've been touring all over the place. They're a legit group. So now I'm going to go and listen to them. And uh, this looks amazing. I don't know, all the pictures look really cool. But it says, um, folk, their genre, folk slash rock slash comedy slash dinosaur slash books slash superheroes. Dinosaur. And we are sisters. Double Clicks record, Double Click Records um, from Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, the double clicks. I think uh, I'll have to check into them more because this is amazing. And apparently, they're they're still going. And this is so they've been around at least a decade. And this cover is fantastic. So now I'm going to go check them out. Almost and sounds see. like maybe they target kids or something with dinosaur superheroes or whatever. Yeah, or or they're just like the dork culture. I don't know. Now. They like superheroes. I don't know. I'll have to see if it's really like. Is it a? I mean, just from a cursory glance of the Facebook page, it looks super fun. I don't know if I could pin it on being a kid band or just a geeky band. I mean, they look, they look like the kind of people that would like They Might Be Giants, right? So I think let's just wrap this up because this episode went really long. We talked for accent and accents for like a half hour. Um, I know. So we, we got to stop Oh, that. that's fine. I'll tell you. Yeah, you and me got a streak going of just like ridiculously long recording sessions. But um, so I'll throw it to uh, Dad. I'm throwing it to you first. You you are a casual listener, mostly in probably what I have played over the years and what mom is playing in her sewing room. But like what, um, I don't know, would, would you say you had a favorite They Might Be Giant song to even rank this against? Oh, um, Birdhouse in Your Soul is, I guess, the one I know the most and sure. I really like it. And Dr. Worm. And since I learned to play yeah. James K. Polk, well, I like... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. My experimental film. That's a good. That's, oh yeah, experimental uh, uh, yeah. film is great. That's a great yeah. song. So yeah, that's like a pretty wide smattering of yeah. the, the the discography there. So um, I don't know. And if, they all if, sound they all sound different too, which oh, is yeah. cool. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if one of those, I don't know, would you say would is what would one of those be a ten that you could rank Wicked Little Critter against? Like you got to have that. Well, yeah. that the high Bird bar. House, Birdhouse in your soul. I would say. Birdhouse. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who says Birdhouse isn't a ten would be wrong. So if that's the 10, where would you rank Wicked Little Critter? And you're 7.5. Allowed- 7.5. Solid. Sure. Tom, what do you think? Okay. So that's a- so I would never put Birdhouse in Your Soul as a 10, but that's, really? that's neither here nor there. No, well, no, no. Wrong. I guess so. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's it. a 10 for you? What's a 10? <laughs> She's an angel. Okay. That's also, a perfect 10 also for me. Also correct. That's a, good song. that's a very good song. Perfect 10 <laughs> for me. Both those I episodes was, I've given those times, that, yes. That, that's a song, like, if I play it, I got to play it five times. I can't just listen to it once. But that's, yeah. that's, uh, so, uh, compared to Bird, uh, to, excuse me, um, She's an Angel, I would say this is like an 8.5. This yeah. is a really good song. And like really I said, good. when I first, yeah. when I first heard it, like, oh, that's a throwaway. That's, that's why, pe- that's why They Might Be Giants gets called a novelty band. But the more <laughs> I listen to them, like, this is like, uh, Time, like a postcard from like 1978 <laughs> and just that like i said it sounds like heaven when they play that accordion so yeah it's so great so what did you it's say beautiful. Eight point, 
8.5. Put me down yeah, for that. 8.5. It's got the hometown advantage with you, too, you know. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I can, I can relate. But still, like I said. Like, I can relate to be calling a dick, to be called a dick, yeah, right? Yeah, sissy bar. Yeah, the sissy bar. Yeah. Yeah. That was me. Nice sissy bar, yeah. Tom. That was uh, me. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't have a brother and you have a parents who are like, I don't know what kids do. Yeah, yeah, no, here's a bike. It's a bike. It's got two wheels, right? It's by all definitions a bicycle. Go yep. go ride it, kid, and then you get thrown rocks at you. But like, like, Were you there? Were you on Riverside Drive too? <laughs> I mean, like I said when I first heard this, I don't think I even got the gag initially, nor did I know who the sports guys were. And I, I don't think it was too long before I figured out, like, oh, okay, it's a it's a Boston Boston thing. But like, I loved it anyway. Like, and I think that was just you know butter on the on the bread there that it was like these funny little jokes and like. Having to again, any of the might be John song where you have to like Google words. And you're like, what is this? What are they referencing? Why did they just say that weird word? Like that makes it fun. You know, it's not straight ahead. It's not like yeah. a, it's not like a head scratcher like she's an angel where it's like, oh, is the narrator alive or dead or what's going on here? You know, it's not one of the heart. You know, the or or they'll need a crane like a crazy breakup song. It's yep. it is like like you said like people might be like. Oh, I don't know, whatever, it's stupid. But, like, you listen to the music, and then the lyrics on top of that, like, all going together as, with with just, like, it's almost like a little pocket version of, well, like how Brian Wilson called Good Vibrations a pocket symphony. This is like, a, a, it's like the fifth pocket on your jeans. It's the mini pocket symphony, where in two minutes and 11 seconds, you're going to have this eth- anthemic, like, pumping, like, you know, the uh, 80s style like rap beat with with record scratching. Then you're going to have this little ballad part with the accordion. Then we're going to break it down further. But then a punk part and then back to the break it down. Like, it's just crazy where it goes. So I'm giving this I'm I love this song. I'm giving it an 8.8. <laughs> Nice. And yes. what band has a what band has all that in their wheelhouse to like do what you just said? I mean, like those on. four or five parts. Nobody. 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 Yeah, they're the greatest. So we can agree on that. So Tom, thanks again for being on another really long episode. This one will appear in one piece, however, because uh, awesome. it's about one song. But yeah, uh, that was fun. I'm glad I got someone who grew up with those kids and had someone who had his <laughs> his bike called us. You know, he had a sissy bar. So, oh, I, yeah. I I was riding the sissy bar. Yeah, so. I told you, yeah, man. Lucky me. This is why yeah. I was like, hey, I signed you up for a song, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, you're the only, you know. You're the podcast guy I know in Boston, and then you know my parents. You know that whole that whole Charlie Cod thing. Like it's just <laughs> like having to deduce things like from context that people say. Like they didn't have much yeah. context to go on. Like you gotta get a Charlie Cod. Well, like give me like a f- couple of sentences there to figure out what that context. Like what are you saying? Yeah, and when, if you didn't grow yeah. up in Boston, and you weren't singing like that Charlie on the MBTA from when you were a kid. Right. You don't even know what the fuck a Charlie card is. Why right. are we a Charlie card? That's Where like the hell the is nickname. that name? That's like that's not even yeah. what they're really <laughs> called. Right? It's just so stupid. No, I think that's really what they're called. Oh, so do they say think, Charlie on them? Charlie card. I don't know if they the say Charlie. I don't. I don't normally take the T. Yeah. I drive to work, but I think. But when you go there, yeah, I like put money on your Charlie card. Yeah. I think the machine, the kiosk, because they have a kiosk, is not a person anymore. Yeah. It's like put money on your Charlie card. Yeah. It's yeah. Charlie card. Okay. Yeah. So, but did it yeah. come from that little ad or whatever that was way back? 
Yeah, the Charlie and the the MBTA song, yeah. which um, yeah. you know we all had to sing that in the elementary school. Yeah, yeah. my dad's got you, the you, website you, up right now for the Charlie card. I just don't know. Like, you didn't what have came to sing first? that. Ele- you didn't so, have no. to sing that in elementary school. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that, that was like that was indoctrinated into us. I remember first grade singing that around the round in, the, in a circle, yeah, Charlie and, B, and the MBTA. And his, his wife would throw him a sandwich. You know this? And sandwich? every time, oh wait a second, wait. this does. So sound it was a whole idea of like this guy, Charlie, Charlie and the, 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 the yeah. He didn't have a token to get off. Didn't have a token, and that was the whole thing because in my town, especially Braintree, Alewife was different because there's two places on the red line. There's Braintree, which is where I live, and on the other side was Alewife. So in Braintree, um, to get off, you had to pay a token, and to get on, you had to pay a token. And Charlie didn't have the money to pay a token to get off, so he kept riding back and forth. This does actually. This does sound familiar. I didn't learn this as a kid, but my first years as a music teacher, the old music textbook which which pretty soon got replaced by like a newer version um had this yeah this uh yeah so the kingston trio looks like does the the famous version of it yeah <laughs> yeah they're talking and it was about... so stupid because in the song his wife would always like throw him a sandwich because he's but ran back forth, like <laughs> why didn't you put the fucking token in the sandwich yeah 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 why doesn't his <laughs> wife throw so, him a token so stupid. I, I think i had a student actually say that for me because i do remember teaching this but this was you know, 15 years ago, I do. This is coming back to me now that you started mentioning the little story, right? He doesn't have the money to get off. Um, yeah. Which so he's is, stuck right back and forth. Which is funny. It sounds like a They Might Be Giant song as it is. And like the token back to Brooklyn, you know, that song, you know, token back to Brooklyn fell between the cracks. And oh, yeah, this, that's right. Yeah. So they know this song for sure. The Giants know yeah, this song. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's funny that it's they don't mention Charlie. folk song. Protest yeah. folk song, yeah. Right, because it's about like uh, increases in the public transportation, right? It's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's like there's a meaning to this song that, yeah, fight the fare increase, vote for George O'Brien is right in the song. Whoever George O'Brien is, he must have been working, you know, he's fighting for he the didn't, working class. He didn't win because he for years win. it was like two tokens to get on and one token to get off. That's changed since That's they so implemented weird. the Charlie card, but that yeah. was how, how it worked. You always had to have like that extra token to get off at Braintree. Unless you pull the turnstile back halfway and then then you could go through. But if the guys caught you, they'd yell at you and you have to put oh, your sure. token in. Right. So I only know so, that from hearing. I never so did that. This is funny. We've already ranked the, We've already scored the song, but like this Kingston Trio thing, this is an interesting song because, well, and it's funny that Boston adopted that Charlie card from this song, which was actually fighting the fairs. And now the place that's taking your money has taken the name from a song that was not necessarily, it wasn't against public transportation. It was for public transportation, but against the politicians who kept jacking the price up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But wait, and now wait the price he's checking out. Okay, hold on. My dad's wait got something. Wait to hear this, though. When they were coming up with the name for this card, deciding what to name it. Yeah. So this goes with mom's, what she's hearing this guy saying. Yeah. One of the things, one of the choices they were considering was the fair cod, C-O-D, the, a pun on the way oh that no. locals might pronounce card. Oh, wow. It's going to be yeah. the fair oh, card. Oh, thank God they didn't do that. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that wow. Was, that'd be like, that, that's just like so like so pandering, or I don't know what it when is. When did they it's dub like, it the Charlie card then? Well, it was, uh, let's it see. It wasn't right after this song then. One of the rejected names for the card. Let's see. It's fun. Did they call it a Charlie card when Mink Car came out? I mean, 20 years ago, were they calling it that? 
I wasn't taking the T at that time. I stopped taking because I was working in Needham, so I was driving. So probably, I think it was called the Charlie card Looks like two, from the 2006. beginning. 2006. Okay, it wasn't called yeah. the Charlie card. So from... Be, that's when they rolled it out. Before that, I don't think they had okay. the cards. Before then, it was just yeah. you went to the thing, bought a token, and put yeah. your token yeah. in. Yeah, because yeah. well, it, it just seemed like me, if, if they called it the Charlie card, that would be like a big thing you could have thrown into the lyrics. But I guess that wasn't what it was called back then when he wrote this no, song. No, they didn't even have the cards. Yeah. They, weren't, yeah. they didn't even have token the... Token sales that, that. ended on December 6, 2006. Okay, wow, that's pretty recent. Yeah. That's really recent. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, that was a total, that was really a, a, a tangent post-scoring is pretty rare, <laughs> but we've done it. So you I brought give up the that Charlie Cotter yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, Tom, yeah. for being on. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, having the, the Boston contingent, and then we've got us Boston visitors over here. <laughs> but I do, yeah. there's something about that accent and like Boston Rob on Survivor and stuff like that, and all those movies with all those Boston guys. I don't know. It is kind of like a... I don't know, that could, like, those working class vibes. It's where, like, the evil person, <laughs> the evil person is all snooty or British. They've got, like, this fancy accent. But, like, the Boston accent is like, yeah, we're the real people. We're, we're from Boston, you know. Oh, yeah, it's off to the earth. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, Tom, yeah. does this, there's a, I think it's Hyundai car commercial that they, like, they debuted it at the Super Bowl where it's like oh, yeah. a self-parking car and it's um, John Krasinski and Rachel Dratch and all these people watching this car park yep. itself. How does that play in Boston? Uh, I thought it played pretty well. Yeah. I think people were like, you know, for for when it came, people people thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. And it does, you know, those accents sound um, like if you go into like Dorchester, that, that's that's how it still sounds in yeah. some places. Like yeah. if you found the townies, yeah. So people really like that. Yeah, yeah it was sh- yeah. it was shared widely on Facebook. Yeah, but. that's pretty funny. And this is why I was surprised there weren't more covers of of this song because I figured like fans of of they might be giants in that area would like make a point to like this is our song they're lovingly mocking us or paying homage you know to their roots to, like the where where they grew up let's cover this song but no there's there's one cover at least it's the double clicks and it's incredibly good so yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah I don't know I don't know how many they might be giants fans you have everyone everyone here listens to the Boss Jones and Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's all it's, well it's, you got accordions at least then and dropkick murphy's i, I uh, swear it's just like a sea of mediocrity here so hey, i like the boston's i like the boston's but i you know it's mostly the 90s stuff anyway uh thanks tom and and dad Absolutely. and mom is upstairs watching tv but uh so mom didn't give her score but i think she liked it so we'll <laughs> we'll leave it at that and uh and go to bed so thanks tom Absolutely. Yeah, you thanks, let me Dan. know when you're in Boston. Greg, <laughs> let me know when you're in Boston. We'll get together. We'll have some drinks. Yeah, next time I'm in Boston seeing uh, seeing my sister, we'll definitely need to, to meet Bob. Yeah, meet up you let me know. Point. Yeah, totally. All right, man. All right. I will All talk right. to you later. All right, bye. All right. Thank you both. I'll see you later. Yeah. He's a dink. Way to go. I like him. I got problems. <laughs>